the Donald Jeffries Show. And hello, this is Donald Jeffries. Welcome to the Donald Jeffries Show. Uh, I hope you, you guys uh, missed me the last few weeks. We had a bit of a hiatus. Uh, we're back, uh, just going stronger than ever. My guest uh, tonight is Carolyn Rose Goida. She's a friend of mine uh, who I've come to know her story well, and it's a very it's a very complex story, and I'll, some of you may find it hard to believe because this this kind of corruption. But you know, knowing what I know about this rotten system, it is totally corrupt at all levels. So I have no doubt that Carolyn is one of probably far too many people who've experienced these kinds of things, which really disrupt lives and uh, just just tragic all the way around. Carolyn, thanks for coming on to share your story. Oh, I appreciate it, Don, and I wanted to thank you and Chuck and. You know, uh, people should know that, boy, besides being just great radio voices, talking to you guys on the phone, I think you do movies like you talk with the eloquent John Barber all the time. You and Chuck, <laughs> movie star, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, Hollywood hasn't called yet, but then <laughs> that would be that would be wonderful. So um, let's uh, let's go back. Let's let's rewind here. So you know, until all this happened to you. So you find yourself in the situation you are today and all that's happened to you in the last however many years. Uh, it, 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 when you were a young woman, you were uh, you had a, a great career. You're a real career woman. Your your future was looking bright. So talk, tell us about what you were doing at that point. I guess it was the 70s, early 80s or something. And uh, when it all kind of went south for you, where you, you, know, you made the mistake, I guess, of uh, seeing something you shouldn't have seen. Well... I, I have to say, first of all, I was very lucky, and anything anybody they like and admire at all, it, it, that's all due to wonderful parents, Peter and Lucille Goida, who are no longer here. Anything bad that you think is crazy, well, I did that all on my own. Um, but uh, I was very lucky. I, I had some great teachers. I went to St. Louis U. I wound up getting an offer to work at McDonnell Douglas, which at the time was a huge corporation. There was just 150,000 just in St. Louis, which, you know, they've shrunk a great deal and been swallowed by Boeing since then. But I was very fortunate having gone to um, McDonnell Douglas. I got to meet some extraordinary people. I met astronauts, cosmonauts. Uh, I was in the Soviet Union when Chernobyl happened. We can talk about that sometime because I, I actually can prove we actually did that. Sure, uh, sure. And um, I even had to give uh, briefings to uh, SecDef Cheney, who I'm not even sure he's a human being. He, he scared the heck out of me. I never saw anybody so black-eyed. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was on something else. And I was very fortunate. I had extraordinary bosses. I mean, people can check on this if they want. Arnie Say, Bob Fezzanen, uh vice president who became uh, even higher, Joe Perkle and Cal Blattner, just wonderful people. And these were people that, you know, McDonald originally worked on the um, original space program, so I got to meet these people that put Mercury and Gemini in the air, and it was it was exciting. It was fun, and I wanted to work on uh, disarmament, so I also had to work on nuclear weapons. So I, you know, like what's going on today in Ukraine? I, if anybody has questions, I answer them for you. Because um, that's how I got to know Michio Kaku. So I mean, I. I considered myself very lucky, but I, you know, like you, I went to Catholic schools and the nuns teach you to be humble and you're not supposed to be, you know, looking at things. So I didn't go out of my way to make lots of money or move around or anything else. I had older parents that were old enough to be my grandparents. They were mm -hmm. very life having me, but I'm glad because, you know, I had parents that saw everything, the great depression. My dad got, 
you know, decorated on D-Day for bravery. And then he was there at Nuremberg. They held him to stay there as a guard. And he, then he was an MP and a drill sergeant for the Korean War. And my mom, you know, was one of the first women at Lambert Airfield to ride an airplane. Open cockpit, you know, the whole bit, you know, putting a scarf around your neck and everything. So, I mean, I had extraordinary parents. They weren't rich. They were both poor. My mother was so poor she could have been on the Unsolved Mysteries. She was taken in by orphanage. <laughs> And her family, her, I'll tell you, the story there, too, that my uncle wound up being sold off to people. They used to sell white orphans. So people think mm-hmm. that it happened to black people. It happened to poor white people, too. Yeah. Uh, so I was very lucky. I mean, and um, I I was very good at I read everything. I was one of those kind of kids that I, you know, my mom and I would just go get library books. And then I wish I could go back in time with what I know now. Oh the access I had like the McDonnell Douglas library, I, I would just go in and read everything I could about every science program and everything that was out. Now I would look up different things. I just didn't know then. And, you know, this was before the internet, you're still looking it up on microfiche, microfilm. And, um, you know, I, it, I, I, I could have stayed there forever if, you know, if I'd have wanted to, but it was like my parents were getting older. My dad had a massive stroke. So I actually, I had invested well. I, I, you know, I didn't have riches, but I was doing okay. And so I took off to take care of him. And while I was doing that, I took care of him, my mom and some other people. I started noticing like this, um, these kids that I went to grade school and high school with, like two boys in particular, their lives had gone down the tubes and I couldn't figure out why they were good kids. And so I contacted them both separately and found out that they both been molested and then i thought oh boy here we go with the you know nasty priest stories again or something you know and i started looking into it and that's how i i I slid right in to find out about all this corruption that you get into because it turns out you know it's not just a couple horny toad priests it really did involve all kinds of denominations it involved people that considered themselves agnostic but these kids would be invited uh, oddly enough mostly boys uh, the, if it was a Catholic event, they would be invited to be altar boys. If it was a non-denominational, they were asked to be attendants. They were at local golf courses, and they were taking them to all these places. And what people didn't understand and what they don't realize, I mean, everybody hears about pedophilia, but this is very organized. This is not just, you know, the sick person. You know, I was going to use a different word there, the, you know, the, the sick individual that just grabs a kid and has his way and kills him. There's a very organized child sex slavery stuff going on. And that's what I started getting into. And I just thought, well, you know, I, you know, I had all these skills for doing research. I was the artificial intelligence fellow at McDonnell Douglas. I taught not data acquisition and how to dig up information. And I thought, I'm going to use this. You know, I heck, I went I went to MIT, the AI lab. I know how to do this. So I, I was very arrogant and thought I could do this. And I looked up all this and. I compiled files, and I, I could prove where these kids were at these, these these events. I could prove who the people that they said molested them were there. I was trying to put all the pieces together. Could not get anybody in local media. I didn't know about the Operation Mockingbird yet. I didn't know about any of that. Now, like I said, boy, if I only knew what I know now when I was younger. But, I, you know, you don't know about that, you know, and if people don't realize what that is, that's the CIA deciding they were going to take over all the press and publication, and they bragged about it, you know, whether it was through blackmail, bribery, or, or just installing people someplace, they they got to control the press. But I couldn't get the press interested in it. 
I tried to get the local attorney general. I tried to get the state attorney general. I tried to get the regional, you know, federal attorney generals. Couldn't get a soul to care about this. And I, I, I was, I mean, literally, it was unbelievable that the, the documentation. And there's no way you could read this documentation and not put the puzzle together. And, and I was just shaking my head. And then I started getting threats, death threats, and uh, they killed pets, and they, they threatened more things. Uh, it, it was just crazy. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute, I'm an American citizen. I got a security clearance. They can't do this to me. Yes, they can. And that's the biggest thing that Americans don't realize. And, and, and like, you know, the poor people in the Ukraine to think we got it made over here. They don't know. If you get on the wrong side of these people, they can destroy your life. I mean, they, they, I've been declared dead by the Social Security three times. I, my Social Security that I'm, I'm taking early yeah. retirement funds. So, I mean, they, they can really do this. And I know you were, you, you know, you were saying yourself that there's so much going on that people don't yeah. realize. And, well, and they, find, they find it hard to believe. What's, what, what, when you start, and it's incredible, cause, and I want to get to that. But So you, you started seeing this going on. And, and I, what you say about mostly boys that's what the Franklin credit scan, a lot of others. I, I don't know. These these uh, these pedophiles in high places seem to be attracted to boys more often than girls for whatever reason. But they uh, so I, that doesn't surprise me at all. But so were you when you noticed this and you couldn't get anybody to pay attention? Did was anybody else in it? Like just the average people that your friends, your coworkers, when you I assume you mentioned this to them when you did, did were any of them interested or did they all just kind of shrug it off? Well, an awful lot of them were telling me, why do you care you don't have kids? And, you know, oh, well, you know, they just should have said no. And I tried to explain to them that what they would do, and this is, it was really insidious. They would use the school yearbooks we all had. If I just remember that. Think back when we were kids, if you're as old as we are, they used to take individual pictures. I don't even know if they still have them. And you'd all be in this little yearbook. They used them like menus. They'd pick these kids out. I want that one. I want that one. So, I mean, this is evil. And what also a lot of people don't realize, and it's what I really, it it shook me up the farther and deeper I got in. These are really people performing rituals, too. This is not just some sort of bizarre sexual gratification. An awful lot of people believe in these rituals they do with these kids. And they, 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 the point I think they use boys is because it becomes more violent and they want to terrify these kids. And then there's the question of shame and embarrassment that can keep you quieter, you know, and. They, that's part of it. And, and then they keep these kids alive. And they, it, while I was doing the research, they found a kid that had been held for seven years. The FBI got this kid. And the only reason they found him was this kid came forward because this guy had kidnapped another kid. And ironically, it was a pizza place. It's a, well, it was just the old pizza stuff again. And, and this is where <laughs> pizza the police, boys, yeah. this yeah. is where the police and the prosecutors used to go on Fridays. His pizza parlor. So yeah. everybody knew that this guy was not married. Where are these kids coming from? Hello? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it proved what I was saying. So I even tried to, you know, then again, try even harder to get them. Look at my evidence. And, oh, they take the files and they take a copy and they say, well, we'll, we'll do the research. Thanks for, you know, bye-bye. Go away. But like, <laughs> but most people would just look at me like, why are you getting involved? Because yeah. America. They, they, we tend to blame the victim. Yes, and, yes. And it's wrong. You know, it's like you, you wrote that tremendously in the Bullyocracy, your great books. And that's one thing I do want to say, everybody listening, and I didn't want to say it as the first thing, because I want to make sure there were people listening. You don't do it enough. And on your page, we need to have people find out. You have got incredible books because 
you do pour your heart and soul in your books. And you can tell that when you read your books. Oh, thank you. Several of them out there. And folks, I know, I know you like listening to him on the radio. He really gets into it. And he especially talks about current events. But go and get his books. And if you've already read his books, I want you to buy an entire set of the books. And I want you to take them to your library. Take them to your school yeah. library. You got a church, school. Make sure they got a set of them there. And give them as gifts to young people and old people alike. That's one thing I used to always give to all the kids I ever met and other people. Give a book. Give a neat gift, too, that they might say they really heard. Right. But I gave a book. And that's something because my dad used to come home off his truck route. And the most exciting thing to me was he would bring me a book every time. Mm-hmm. And I got to respect that because, I mean, my mom and dad, neither one of them got through high school, but they all got they got GEDs. But they mm-hmm. were the best-read people I've ever met. And, I mean, I've met Michio Kaku, and I've met – like I said, you know, scientists, mm. astronauts, cosmonauts. My parents were the best-read people I've ever met. Well, and well, and, and, it's, and I, I love that. Well, I really appreciate you talking about my books, and I, I, I love the way you honor your parents. I had older parents too, as you know, and yeah. uh, I, I try to honor them as well. But uh, I just want to get you know, back to when you were you first discovered this. Nobody was interested. Your coworkers are, you know, basically saying something ridiculous, like, why do you care? You don't have kids. I mean, what an idiotic thing to say. But, uh, you know, so if you don't have kids, you don't care about what happens to other kids. Right. But but um, at that. So at that point, you're flying high. You, oh, yeah. you, you I, went- was, I, I I did. Honestly, well, you know, at McDonnell Douglas, I had been considered a high pot. You know, that's a high potential. I, I, I would literally be able to go in and I used to have lunch with John McDonald. You know, so, I mean, I thought. You know, well, they're going to listen to me. You know, you th- you know, and I admit that that there was arrogance there because I didn't protect myself either because of that, and that was dumb. And I got to admit, you know, um, I didn't get as deeply involved until after both of my my dad had died, and so I, I had the time. If my parents would have been alive, I think I would have been getting great advice on how to protect myself. But I was just, you know, I was so angry when I found out they were doing that to these kids. See, to me. And it doesn't matter, like I said, this is not a particular religious thing. It could be. It was across the board. This this involved Jewish kids, Protestant kids, Catholic kids, Buddhist kids. It didn't matter. You know, if you're aware of something happening to somebody weaker, or if it's a kid or an elderly person, I was like you. We we had greatest generation parents. You were obligated. It was a duty to get involved. And that's what right, I was surprised right. that so many people either weren't taught that, or if they were taught that, they just decided, nah, I've been watching enough TV. I don't have to worry about that. I just have to worry about me and make sure I get the newest car or, you know, whatever, you know. Well, it explains why this stuff happens, too, isn't it? If, if most yeah. of the most of the public isn't appalled by it and they just say, well, you know, I mean, it goes back to, uh, you know, with the, the, the uh, what was her name? Kitty, the woman in New York City in the 60s that was raped outside in a, a busy apartment building and oh, yeah. they estimate all these people watching and nobody came to her aid. And that was then when people were kind of a higher moral character than they are now. I mean, now you probably have people, you know, uh, you know, taping it on their cell phones. I'm sure they'd be doing that. Maybe (laughs) putting a rape live. Look at this. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. And they'd be asking, did she wear her mask? You know, uh, she She was asking for it. Walking around with a naked face like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. See, they'd come up with something along those lines. They would. Yeah. And, you know, that's, what's really strange because, and and all along since this has happened, the one thing that does follow me all the time is people just going, why in the world did you do that? See, are they want to because I think they don't want to get involved. What they also try to say is, 
See what happened. That's why I don't do it. See what happened to you. I, yeah. I well, you didn't have kids. It was okay. It happened to you because you didn't have kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. it was okay well, that I, you know, I got beat up or I got my, you know, an animal killed or I got raped or anything else. Oh, you were you were single. You know, you can handle it. You know, like well, they couldn't do it because they had kids, and I'm like, wait a minute, you just told me I shouldn't have done it because I didn't have kids, but you got kids, but you couldn't do it because you had kids. Right, no, right, know. yeah. It's a, well, yeah. It, but so, so if you, if you, but if you start, okay, so so you getting you're getting death threats. Uh, at what point you said you got to have lunch with John McDonald? Did you first of all, did you ever mention it to him about this? And at what point did you see? Your work affected where they, you know, maybe somebody told you, hey, back off here, or maybe you were punished. At what point did you lose your job? So I know you said you had oh, money no, no. in the bank. The, the, the job thing, I actually didn't get deep into this until after uh, my dad had a massive stroke. So I took, I took a leave to take care of him. So I was technically off when I did the most of this. And my, then when my dad died, because I took care of him at home, he wasn't going to go in no dog kennel. I didn't believe in that. And he, you know, he able to, he was able to die at home and know he was loved. And they sent him home to die at Christmas, and he lived five more years. So they didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> you know, we both attitude toward Western medicine. Yes. You know, and, yeah. And my mother didn't get out of the hospital, and she died in the hospital, and I couldn't get her out. So see, I know when you were talking about your brother, it's like yeah. once they got you, and it didn't, you didn't, didn't start with COVID. You know, once they no. got you in there, they're making money off you. You're not, you're, you're not leaving till they got it's like, every penny. It's like prison. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Until they get every penny they can. They, you know, older people, the older you are, the more dangerous it is for people. And unfortunately of all bizarre things, I said, I've had a bizarre life. My mother wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened to her except her doctor who would help with my dad. Believe it or not, he was over in Rome consulting on the Pope. And I will never forget that. Cause I sat there and I thought, Oh, they did it to me again. <laughs> so, Jesus, why couldn't of all the? There's a million doctors. Why did her doctor have to go consult on this pope who was going to die anyway? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, cause I I was Ukrainian Catholic and the Greek right, and I wound up going to Roman Catholic school because what the one thing that I thought was really bizarre, and I, I always there was one thing I can find a laugh about was I had gotten calls from the Catholic Church. Because, you know, I went to St. Tim's. I went to Notre Dame, an all-girl Catholic high school. My dad sacrificed to afford that. He was a teamster. And then I went to St. Louis U, where a lot of the nuns I knew went. I could have went out of town, but my parents were elderly, my aunts and uncles. I wanted to stay in town. And a lot of the nuns went there. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll go there. And uh, at that time, Jesuits, to me, were good educators. You know, now you hear nothing but Jesuit assassins. So I got to admit, I didn't see anybody drawing guns when I was in school. So if there are any of them are assassins, mine were mostly just good teachers. But uh, and I, I though and I did try to reach out, and the the I did try to, I did get a little bit of support from some some of the Jesuits at St. Louis U, but the archdiocese shut it down. And this is the part that I thought was funny. I get a call, and I I got the tape of this guy saying he was he wound up being questioned by the attorney general later when they found that other kid. And he didn't fire a bunch of priests who had gotten in trouble for, you know, molesting kids, not fire them, but basically, you you know, you defrock them. Uh, he didn't do that. And he goes, well, I wasn't really sure that it was a crime what they had done, like molesting little boys. That's not a crime. You didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't, bud. Yeah. And, and it's funny because uh, and I've got that tape. I'll put it up on my Facebook page for people to look at later if they want. It's just unbelievable that he actually had the gall to say that on tape and swear to that. I mean, he, he's dead now. I, I can't believe he's got to be in hell. I, I hope he is. 
And um, or at least he's paying for his, his, his sins. But he had his office call me. And it was so funny because he didn't even have the courage to call me himself and say that, well, we are telling you to stop this investigation. And, you know, we'll take care of it from here. You've been told that by the prosecutor. You're being told that by the church. And if you don't, we will excommunicate you. Wow. And I just busted out laughing. I said, no. Are you kidding me? I'm like, I go, I'm Ukrainian Catholic in the Greek right. You didn't do your homework. You can't touch me. And God didn't give you the permission to decide who's in your church. He didn't even give that to Peter. You know, I'm sorry, <laughs> buddy. Learn your, I go, learn your own religion. You can't do that. And I said, and besides, I'm not a Roman Catholic anyway. And then uh, that shocked them. They go, oh, oh. <laughs> I go, good luck. <laughs> Have a nice yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, they they threaten excommunication, you know, and all this other stuff. But I got it, you know. I was like, you got to be kidding. And I did, I did get encouragement from some nuns. But of course, see, then they're pulled in by their authority that said, okay, well, you can't help her. You can pray with her and wish her well, but that's it. And I, I actually got some bizarre help, and then I wound up. Uh, McDonnell Douglas by that time all of a sudden got bought bought up by Boeing. So by this time, I was probably a hot potato. I could have come back, but I would have had to leave St. Louis, and I had enough money at the time. That's why I said I was arrogant. I had invested well. I used to read everything, so I knew what was too good to invest in. I started with nothing, and I and, had about- and you and you probably yeah, you, and you probably thought you weren't going to be blacklisted from everywhere. So so you ended up quitting McDonnell Douglas. Uh, so what? Uh, so well, where, you know what, where I wound, you yeah. what I wound up taking, and it's weird. I didn't regularly quit. What I wound up doing was because they were they, they, they went from one hundred and fifty thousand in St. Louis down to thirty five thousand. So that was that was that's how many people lost their jobs. And, it, you know, they got swallowed up by Boeing. They hired a hatchet guy that came in there was just cutting people, cutting people. And, of course, the stock went up because that, that you know, you fire people. You, you It's good for you. And it's good for the stock. But it's just they don't care. They just ruin people's lives. I had the option. I could have went to California or I could have went to Washington. But like I said, I, I liked where I was. I, I wanted to stay there. I had aunts and uncles I was still taking care of. Um, even though my parents were gone, I was like, well, I'm going to take care of them. But I accepted a layoff list. And I did that because it kept somebody else on. It was If I quit, that wouldn't have worked. And I literally went to, you know, one of the big shots, Joe Perkle, at the time, he had hired me when he was a director, and he was already a vice president within the major corporation. And he was actually going to retire, but, you know, because of the Boeing uh, purchase. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I got enough money, but I'm doing this thing. And he told, he advised me not to be doing what I'm doing. But he didn't tell me to stop. But he says, you're going to get hurt. You know, they're, gonna, they're just going to squash you like a bug. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't know. I said, I got enough money put away. I'm, I'll be all right. And this and that. And I, I said, I was very naive, very, very. I didn't realize what they really can do to you. And so I, I told him, I said, put me on the layoff list and take somebody else off. And that's what they did. And I was willing to do that because I thought, well, I'm okay. You know, I thought I, I was okay financially at the time. And I frankly... You know, there were things I was disagreeing with what Boeing was going to do. And, you know, we were going to get into this. I'm glad I wasn't there like when uh, 9-11 happened because I couldn't have supported that. I couldn't have supported preemptive war. And I had tried to, you know, I had worked and I, 
I would have done anything to make sure our weapons were the best in the world so that our guys come home. But I didn't want them used. You know what I'm saying? Right, and exactly. I worked on mission planning, so I knew the targets. And then I also worked on battle assessment. So I saw the horrible things people think they know because they think they've seen these war games on TV and they play these games. It's a heck of a lot different when you've got to look at a real video and you're seeing somebody blown up and you're seeing innocent people and collateral damage and you're doing battle assessment because you're getting the satellite images. And we would sit in those rooms and I'm telling you the real decent human beings that were in that room, those, you, it became quiet because you're looking at people dying. And there, to me, I don't see anything good about it. You know, and like I said, I could never support it. Like even, the, you know, right now, Slavic people are killing each other so banksters and gangsters can make money. What was the year that you, you agreed to be laid off? When was that in the timeline? Oh, my God. I, I didn't write the years down. I probably should have because. Well, around. I mean, how long? You, it, you was, it, uh, it was right at right before 9-11. Okay. This has been going on a long time. And the reason I know that is because I did that and then 9-11 was happening. I was already dealing with getting threats by people coming up. And I said they started to bang on my door at 1 o'clock in the morning and 11 o'clock and threaten me to, you know, get, get not be involved. I even I had my version of uh, what do you call the men in black. I actually was out in my garden and had two guys hmm. show up in black suits and sunglasses. Telling me, you do realize that your security clearance lasts forever. And, you know, it's always mm -hmm. there. And I'm like, uh, and I, well, I looked up at him and I said, what's security clearance? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, because you can't even admit you got one, you know. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'll be honest with you, I never did see their car. It freaked me out. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> they weren't driving. Well, you know, either the, the real MIB, case, the cases that, uh, that badger UFO witnesses typically, uh, they, they always say, uh, almost have an otherworldly if there's something about them that makes you think maybe they're alien or something did they seem that odd to you it was so weird they're wearing the same black suit same sunglasses you could not see through so it was those kind of sunglasses i hate that when people do that mm -hmm. and you know can't see their eyes and they look they could have been brothers if they weren't i you know like could have been twins you know and like i said i'm looking around i'm out in my front yard going oh, where's your car did you walk around the corner you know, and then I said, well, listen, you know, and my phone rang. I, we didn't have cell phones. Well, I didn't have one. Uh, so I said, oh, I, my phone's ringing inside. Let me go get the phone. And I went to turn to look at the inside to go get the phone. And I turned back and they're gone. And I'm like, what? what she, you know, hello. And I'm like, well, that was creepy. And I actually got contact anthrax and this can be proven, too. So it was really weird. <laughs> I really was getting bizarre threats. So, I mean, they actually had to close my post office down. Because I got a delivery from the one in New Jersey where the post office guy died. And it was supposedly a mistaken delivery. And I did not get the weaponized anthrax, the one that would kill you, that you inhale for whatever reason. I, I guess I didn't inhale the powder or something. I was outside. I always opened my bat boxes outside just because I get the mail. I knew my mailmen since I was a kid. We always knew each other. And I just opened the box outside. And and. and when he, when I got sick and I and I had contact anthrax, it's when you get it on your skin, and and, right, you know, right. and kill anything, kill an elephant. I mean, you should do that in Africa sometimes. That's where they get the really bad one, by the way. And um and that's why it was really weird. I knew all about the anthrax thing going on before they were even admitting it. You know, nobody ever went to jail for that. And yeah, that was you know, yeah. weaponized anthrax. Right, right. I mean, not the one I had. I mean, 
They did. They did never confirm that I had the weaponized. They just said you have contact because it was on my skin, and you get like a psoriasis-looking thing, and then it goes away. I mean, ultimately, if you you know if you inhale it, it'll kill you. That's right. what'll kill you. One, the bad one. And who but, knows? I mean, was that a coincidence? I don't know. But remember, I in, I briefed Decna, uh, Secretary of Defense Cheney twice, and mm-hmm. the one thing I briefed him on was pilots associates. I can say the name now. Uh, surely it's declassified by now. It's been over 20 years. It, Pilot's associate was our version of flying an aircraft without a pilot. It mm-hmm. was when a pilot, either through G-forces or injury, was no longer able to function and control the plane. We were to take over that aircraft and either ingress or egress it in or out of the situation. We, they wanted that $20, 30000000 million plane to come home. Whether the guy did or not didn't matter. They wanted that plane. Yeah, to that's not important. But, but so at, at this point, though, so you... You had left McDonnell Douglas, so you're unemployed. So what what happened after that? You you have money in the bank, but did you try to get work in the same industry or anywhere else? Well, were, were you blackballed? What wound up happening is that the harassment just kept getting so bad. I mean, literally, uh, I really did have pets get killed. I really did get threats in the middle of the night. I did have somebody break in the house, and, and I got raped, and they told me that next time they'll kill me, that I need to keep my mouth shut, and... Uh, you know, because at the time I was still trying to get someone to follow up on this because I was sure there were still children alive in the system. And I, my thought was, well, I can't stop them if there's kids that are still being molested tonight. You know, so you've I, already so you've already got you've got the reputation. They know who you are. This is the crazy lady that's talking about kids being trafficked or whatever. And now she's claiming stuff has happened to yourself. Is that the reaction you got that, oh, here she comes again and now she's saved? It's her? Well, and the ironic thing is I try, I try, I downplayed even, I didn't tell most people about the men from black, except for later on. I was telling people, I said, Can you believe this? And I said, I think where these guys go. And then the, the contract antic, it, it, my, my, my mailman got so scared he quit. I mean, I'm not kidding you. He, he came wow. to my house. He says, my God. What, what did you do? I know you used to work at McDonnell Douglas and you did all this secret stuff. What did you do? He first transferred out of St. Louis as a mailman, and then he quit. I mean, he said, he goes, I think they tried to kill you. And I go, well, I'm here. It's okay. And he's like, no, it's not. You know, you know, don't, don't take this mildly, you know. And I said, no, I'll be all right. And I, I did have some people. Um, I got contacted by people who told me that I had gotten myself on a list and they said I was going to regret this. And uh, I got contacted by Catherine Mucci, who was doing out there TV at the time. And she she wanted to know what I could tell her about it. And I told her and I actually started doing work for her because I wound up, you know, doing some stuff on her rate on her uh, television show because, you know, they got into all kinds of things. That's how I got to meet people like Jim Mars and. Tex Mars and all those kind of people. And Alex Jones, before he was anybody, uh, he, he hadn't even done the Bohemian Grove thing yet. Really? Uh, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, yeah, I was a nobody. They were all nobodies. But it was like, I, I got to meet these people. See, and that's how I started to wake up. But, you know, they never they never let go as far as following me. When I was in St. Louis, what, what, what got worse was they started to really come to my house. They started using... Like, this is important, and this is something you need to really include because this is how they'll get you. Okay, I told you later on they they said I was dead three times, and my Social Security got yes, messed. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. My credit card—I have no credit anymore. Um, 
and I, I said, I had, I'm, I'm not exaggerating or bragging, but I had a $200,000 house paid for. I had a $25,000 Subaru sitting in the driveway. I had 200000 I am not lying, cash in the bank when this started. I had mm-hmm. more than that in my IRA at Charles Schwab. I, you know, I, so oh, I'm single, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not hurting, right? So, right. So you're, so you're not even really thinking, you're thinking you're financially set. Oh, I, I mean, certainly I could have sat around and ate bonbons the rest of my life. But, you know, that's what they, they couldn't figure out. And, and the, the, the one guy came to my came to me at the house, and he, he was a municipal ordinance place. His name is Tim or Hagen. And I'll name all the names. Uh, you know, there's other people that will support me in this. They, they, they started to use municipal ordinance things. They started pa- parking all kinds of city trucks in front of my house, the county trucks in front of my house. They uh, I, I started getting my house TP'd. I started getting trash dumped in my yard. So then they started to write me up. Well, so well, said, well, well before, before you say, because and this is this is really interesting. About it, but I I wasn't aware of this municipal corruption uh, to the extent it is before. Explain a little bit first of all what it is and how prevalent it is, and then then keep talking about what happened to you with it. Okay, yeah, it, and that, this is something I've tried to talk to, and there used to be radio shows where I explained this, but of course, you know how YouTube and everything is now. Most of those shows have disappeared. Right, Anyone right. listening that still have copies of those shows. Please contact me or Don. You know, I would like to see if we can find some more of those that are still existing somewhere. But yeah, what what I discovered is there is something, and this is great. They 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 they've got this. Goebbels would be so proud, and all these you know all these Nazis would be so proud of them because they they really do have a system set up with these municipal ordinance police in major cities where they use that to target people. They will create violations at your house, or they'll say that you can't be there. They'll you know, they'll say that you're um, in violation of something. Like I said, in my case, they would, you know, dump trash. And then they wanted to write me up for that. They would put uh, toilet paper throughout our roses. My dad had a, a, a award-winning rose garden. And, you know, ro- toilet paper will destroy your roses. You know, it's, if it rains, it'll stick to them and kill them. And so you got to go out there and pick it all off. And then there, before it's even, you know, the trash is still rolling down the driveway. Here comes a police car ready to give me a... Municipal ordinance violation. So they're so the so the so the, the, munici- the police are I mean, so they're they're yeah. TPing like they're uh, you know yeah. ju- juveniles. And I even got them on tape. I and I still have some of that proof. And I I, I the Janice Liberty, the gal in the neighborhood that was going to help. She, I have pictures of her taking pictures of my house. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, it was for all the great cell phones. We I could have done so much better if I had the cell phone like the iPhone. I got an iPhone eleven. Right. I had that back then my life would have been a whole lot easier too. And I could have gone live, you know, there was mm-hmm. none. I remember calling in to George Norrie because I used to send him questions. I used to read the books that he wouldn't read and send him the questions. And you can check with George Knapp. That's true. And George Knapp is to me the best person there because he reads everything before he interviews anybody. He actually is a real Peabody award winner. He, he, he does right. his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember calling his, you know, him going, there's people at my door now. They're banging at my door. They're threatening to kill me. It's one o'clock in the morning. Your show is on. Is there anything you can do? You know, <laughs> you know, is there, you have a lawyer? Now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I can't get involved with politics. You know, <laughs> I'm like, George, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I told him, don't send me any more books. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought, well, the heck with you. Um, but it was like. You, you sit there and shake your head because, the, you know, it's the municipal ordinance police. It's not the regular policemen. Okay, municipal ordinance police, 
they have a separate rule. They violate the third and fourth amendment all the time about unwarranted searches and stuff. They can use health codes, health things all the time. Oh, we have to come into the house. Health code violation. But but uh, but are they, are they under the auspices of, of of the regular police department? Or do they have a whole separate entity? What is it called? It, okay, it's it's called municipal ordinance police. It's who it's okay. who you okay. police. Your public, you know, they're the ones who come to want to say your house. You know, you're a hoarder. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Are they give you a ticket because your gutter is hanging? Yeah, off? yeah. So they're basically like uh, the architectural committee of the homeowners association. Right. Well, but, yeah. so, but do they do they have them like do they have them just at local levels? Does every community have them? Every city well, have them? Major cities do because you got to remember in the United States, eighty percent of the people live in major cities, so that's where they control most of the people. But you know, in a small town, you can just have a sheriff that's a bully that can do the same thing. Uh, but it's municipal ordinances, which are not in the Constitution, by the way. I, I have fought this. And by the way, every time I've gone to court with these people, I've won. I have not convicted me of anything. Absolutely nothing. And I've won every time. And I've, I've, I've wasted thousands of dollars on attorneys who all sit there and go, I can't help you. They'll take my license. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why did you get your license? They go, so I can make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them aren't in it for, you know, constitutional reasons. And I go, but look at they're violating the Constitution. Didn't you ever really want to fight for the law? And they go, I just want to do DWIs and stuff. You know, this is too complicated. No, no, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and, I, mean, I, and I, I remember paying one guy. He was in Columbia and he was a lawyer. He said, oh, I'll take your case and I'll fight it. I don't have to worry about it because I'm never in St. Louis County. I paid this guy $5,000. And the very next day I get a call from a friend of mine who said, I was following the attorney that you got. He's sitting there. I'm watching him. And he goes, he's smoking a cigar with that cop that threatened you. Boy. Yeah. yeah. And, and it turned out his sister lives in St. Louis County. He's in St. Louis County all the time. And, of course, I didn't get the fight. Out. He, and I do have, I, I should still have the copy of it because I made a picture with somebody's regular camera. I, we didn't have the other ones yet. But he, he, he even told me, he goes, I should give your money back. I haven't done anything for you. And I said, yeah, send it back. It's good. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> of course, I got it. But, uh, you know, it, it is scary because the municipal ordinance police, like I said, they violate the Constitution all the time. And so they use health codes. That's the trick. And they'll, they'll come up with a reason. They'll, they will throw trash or something stinky and then say, oh, we smell something. We, 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 have, we can access the house now. That's, that's, they don't have a warrant. Wow, that's incredible. That's scary. Yeah, and, and in St. Mm-hmm. Louis, we had them on tape, and we had them admitting on a follow-up phone call. It used to be on YouTube. That's why I wanted to find a copy of that. But I want the copy of the phone call because the guys admitted. They said, yeah, we told you we were going to burn your house down. And that's ultimately what happened. My house in St. Louis got burned down twice. I used to volunteer for the fire department and take animals to Mizzou when they got hurt, if they were in floods and stuff like that. I used to. I was the idiot that would go into second stories or through the roof, and the Coast Guard would cut through it. Because believe it or not, we had Coast Guard even wear on the river. Um, that would cut through the roof, you know, to save animals and stuff. I was this stupid kid because I loved animals so much. And I was I was skinny. I'm tall. I'm five foot nine. But I was always skinny as a rail. And I, I could all, I would just, you know, shinny in, get the animals, come out. And I would sometimes drive them down to Mizzou to be taken care of, you know. And it, it, it's just unbelievable that they what they wind up doing you know i kind of lost my train of thought when i was talking about the animal yeah, you know you know uh, why um yeah yeah sure help me well, out well, well, well you, you were you were doing a great job of uh 
of exposing the municipal police, okay, and talking about that, that's great. And saying some of the stuff, they, they TP'd your house, they did some more serious stuff. So eventually, how does it get to the point where your your home is destroyed? Were you given oh, any any notice? Where you uh, where were you when it happened? I mean, they just oh, came and demolished your home? That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, uh, it, it was unbelievable, too. Because, okay, the fire department knew me. And they told me, they said, this is arson that's happening to your house. And they said, we're going to protect you. We're only five minutes away. This is ridiculous. They go, and the, I, I knew the guy who was in charge of that fire department precinct. And he said, Carolyn, we got to get an alarm set up in your house so that, you know, we're five minutes away. And, we, you know, and they said, we know what's going on because they could see. And I had pictures of the county parking truck so I couldn't get out of the driveway and doing things to make, you know, and, and they came. And when I was out of town, one time I took the animals, they came and they scraped my entire front yard, killing all those rose bushes my dad had planted. They went down to the dirt for no reason. And, you know, you come home and it's like your whole yard yeah. is gone. You're, you're back to dirt. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I got to go to court. I got to sue you guys for this. And they said, no, we had to do that because it was bug infested and rodents. We people, Somebody complained about rodents. And that was like yeah. the lady in the neighborhood. She was willing to say that because she. Oh, and that's the other thing I was going to say is the other thing they do is besides just having the municipal ordinance forces and they they have guns, they can shoot you. But they're generally not in full uniform. They're either in a, a lesser uniform, like a pair of tin pants and a T-shirt kind of thing. And it'll say on their municipal ordinances or whatever. But they're not as noticeable. And a lot of times they have plain clothes cars and trucks and stuff like that. And they, they violate people's. I, I had hundreds of people coming to me when I first started talking about the radio in St. Louis and elsewhere. Telling about, they did the same thing to my mother. They did the same thing to my aunt. Boy, they sure like to pick. And it turns out. Real estate lawyers and real estate people make a lot of money because they'll, what they'll do is they'll fine you $1,500 each time if they can get you a fine. And then that goes on your taxes. So if you don't pay it, they seize your, you seize your property for next to nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're stealing homes. And I was able I, – I started having a list of 100 homes in St. Louis that they had stolen, mostly from elderly – always elderly. They love the elderly oh, and a lot that's... of elderly women. So this is like a big yeah. – but the other thing was the Citizen Academy. If you ever see this, and I bet you people, if they're listening, they will see this. And they, they advertise in St. Louis, oh, come and join the Citizen Academy, and you can learn about the law. What they were doing were teaching these people how to be snitches. Just like they were going to have people turn in, right. people taking their shot and wearing their mask. You know, report your neighbor. They're having a party. You can't right, have right. people, and they're not wearing their mask when they're cutting their lawn. Turn them in. Well, the Citizen Academy, like in St. Louis... They would tell these people, you will get rewarded, and hey, you know, if you get tickets, we're going to take care of you because you're taking care of us. You're helping us, you know? So it was like their own little version of a miniature Gestapo. And, you know, there are people that just love doing that stuff. Oh, man, if they can oh, be, busybody, sure. be yep. a busybody and snitch on somebody else. Every, every neighborhood has people that walk around, and they, they look for, like, uh, cars who uh, didn't get their registration sticker on in time and things like oh, that. Yeah. People love doing that. Yeah, they got nothing else to do. They literally drive. You're right. I, that's so funny when they don't do the sticker. You're right. I thought that was so funny in St. Louis. I remember when they, they started giving people tickets. You'd park your car. It didn't matter how far away you tried to hide your car if you didn't have your sticker. They would, like I said, they'd, they'd still violate your property, come on your property and see it. And they'd say, oh, well, we can see it from there. Like they, they could see it from, you know, 8,000 yards away. But like, what, really? Do you really walk around with, you know, telescopic lenses every day looking for people's license plates? Uh, but, you know, 
what's bad though is that these citizens aren't standing up. I took them back to court. The one the one court date, they made me wait to almost midnight. The courtroom was a kangaroo court. It, literally, the two tables were like uh, card tables. The judge had a regular, you know, black outfit on. I was waiting for him to put on a white wig. But anyway, <laughs> they made me wait because I said, no, I'm going to I want a full trial. I want a full trial. And I said, no, I want I want I want jury trial. And they're like, you can't. I go, yes, I do. I have a right to a jury trial. They don't want that. And no, they, they want to rule. Yeah. Yeah. And the judge says, well, we're going to have a hearing tonight first. So they made me wait till almost midnight. By the way, it's snowing outside. And I'm sitting there. Everybody's gone. And by the way, everything was tickets. So everybody was just paying their tickets and leaving. Our tons of people were getting fines of those 1500 2000 3000 Most of them were poor people that couldn't pay the municipal fines. So they were told, okay, well, we can garnish your wages for the next six months to get it out of there. So, I mean, these people were so poor they couldn't afford it in the first place, but they're going to garnish their wages for a, you know, because they had a crack in their sidewalk. You know, it's just ridiculous stuff. And I said, well, I'm there. I'm taking more notes. And I'm getting names and they're getting more mad at me because I'm like talking to people and getting more facts. You know, and I'm like, well, OK, I'm going to add this on. There yeah. too. So yeah. they started this trial for me, this hearing at like I think it was like 12 minutes before 12. I remember there's something Boy. ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Where's the court reporter? <laughs> um, and they, oh, she's in the she's in the bathroom. I said, well, we can't start without her. We got to have a, a record of this, and they go, "What do we need a record for?" I go, "Because that's my right, and that's part of a trial. It's part uh -huh. of it." And then they go, "Oh, well, we're all out of, uh, you know, the tape she needs. We're all out of it." I said, "Well, then, okay. When do we want to reschedule?" And, and <laughs> so we're not not proceeding without her recording every word. And then right. they, oh, and the judge, I I think he wanted to kill me. <laughs> if he could have taken that, you know, that gavel, oh, he would have beat me to death. He, I, I, oh, and and the cop that had been so ignorant to me was just sitting there. Oh, you could tell he was like, oh, I want her to go back outside, you know, she, you know, and and, and I, I'm like, well, we're gonna wait. Well, next thing you know, oh, we found some tape, so we can proceed. I said, well, I think you did find it, and they did. So we proceeded, and I got the cop up on the stand, and. Everything he was saying was back ass word or it was, you know, goofy. He, you know, he was like, well, this and that. And then he, he I, I got him to admit, well, we were targeting you. You knew that. You know, he's saying this. <laughs> and, and he said, well, you, you know, you were told to shut up and you wouldn't do it. You know, we just wanted to rattle your cage. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the prosecutors, uh, judge, judge, we need a break. We, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> sure. I need to talk to this officer. He's confused, you know. And, and and so what they wound up doing is that night they threw that case out. Because mm -hmm. if we'd have proceeded, that would have been on the record. But since <laughs> the judge threw it out, there was no record. Right, right. So I, could, I said, well, can I have a copy of what transpired here tonight? And they said, no, no, we dropped the case. You don't get nothing. So now you're representing yourself in this, right? Because you couldn't get an yeah. attorney. Yeah. yeah. And actually, every time I represented myself, I won. The only times I, when I had lawyers, all they would do is try to tell me to plead guilty and leave. Right, right, right. They're worthless. We're yeah, not, yeah. We're not doing that. But none of them ever gave me my money back. The very first one only charged me 700 
he was probably right because he told me what I should have listened to. Because he said, I know what you did was right. You were trying to help kids. And what they're doing to you is wrong. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm looking you right in the eyes. Get the hell out of town. He says, you are on a list, and you can't get yourself off this list now. He says, I'm just going to tell you, this list exists. You're on it. Because he goes, I talked to this guy. They hate you. They absolutely hate you. And you cannot live in St. Louis County anymore. And I'm like, are you wow. kidding me? I said, I served this country. I said, I've been in foxholes. I, I was down there in the Falkland Islands helping our allies. Where were these people? Most mm. of these guys are draft dodgers. Right. Father served this country. My uncles. I said, they can't do this to me. And he goes, I'm just telling you, Carolyn. Yes, they can. And you don't have any idea what they can do. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and he was right. And I and I, I told him later when I saw him years later, I, I go, you were the only one of the lawyers that just flat out told me the truth. Right, right. Exactly. But by, by the way, from the chat, Peter C. Kosh, our friend from the chat room says, yo, Carolyn. Good to see you, Peter. Love you, Just, Peter. Yeah. Um, so so at what point, though, now? So this is, you know, I think hopefully the audience is getting a feel for everything you've gone through. So you're representing your audience, all this petty stuff. So at what point do they, because you said they destroyed your house twice. Explain that, because I thought they just completely demolished it. Did you have it well, rebuilt and they did it again? or? Well, okay, what happened was they would wait till I was out of town, because I don't know how, but I guess they watched, okay? And plus with that neighbor, she was watching probably every time I left the house. Um, and I, by the way, at that point, I couldn't leave animals behind. So, I mean, I would literally have to take all my animals if I was going down to Mizzou with the other animals. Everybody had to come with me. And you can ask the people at Mizzou. It became a joke. Carolyn showed up with, you know, 10 animals because I got the five from the fire department plus my own because I was like, I'm not leaving them behind. You know, you know, I, they killed some. I'm not leaving them behind. And while I was gone twice, they set my house on fire and the fire department saved it. And they had broken in the house several times. I think they were looking for the files. But what I had in the basement was a concrete, tornado-proof, fireproof room nobody could get into. I really did. I, I said I worked on nuclear weapons. I really did have a clearance, and I did have a justification for having that in my house. And, and I, you know, it was there so that I could have certain things that nobody could get to. And that's why that was there. And, oh, they had broken into my house. When I would get back, I would find that they had tried to get into that room, and that is where a lot of files were. And I had five different public storage places, too, where I stored stuff. Uh, ultimately, they got to all of those storage units. And, and that, that in itself was a whole story, how they break into your storage units, too. And they, the Unpatriot Act really hurt Americans. Mm-hmm. They can do about anything and say you're a domestic terrorist and break into your... your, your mm-hmm. you, you have... Public storages, have, you have no rights. There, there's absolutely no privacy or guarantee of one in any public storage facility. Just know that ahead of time. And... Um, I, I was pretty confident. I, what I had done was move everything of real value, like my dad's dog tags. He had, he had been at Nuremberg. He had pictures. He had been at, uh, he'd been at the um, Battle of the Bulge, the Vienden Forest. He had pictures of American POW camps. He had the pictures of the, what had happened at Birkenau. Um, they were all safely in that building. And how I found out, I was actually at one of the storage units I had found uh, and I thought it was going to be safe. It was in Jefferson City. I mean, I'd gone to a different city to try to put it in a safe place. And I got a phone call because I had finally decided, well, I, 
I, I had one guy from Bosnia offer me $40,000 in a suitcase for my house. And I'm like, no. I said, I'm going to walk away and you're going to hit me in the head and take the $40,000 back. What are you talking about? I'm not that stupid. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I, wa- I didn't know what to do. I finally decided, well, I'm just going to sell the house to speculators, see how much money I can get and get out of town. I, I just can't stay here. Well, all of a sudden, I got a call from the speculator, and I was literally standing on the sidewalk at this one public storage place, and I knew the lady inside well. And uh, um, I said, oh, it's a speculator. I got to take this call, and I'm out there. And I said, well, okay. I said, you know, you have the best offer. I'm going to go ahead and sell it to you. And he says, well, it's already gone. And I said, no, no, it's not gone. Uh, I, I didn't sell it. It's yours. And you know, I said, you're offering me a couple thousand more than the other guy. Plus, you said you would help me store my stuff for a short period. He said, you don't understand. It, it, it's gone. And I had been standing there, and I couldn't figure out what they were talking about. And and But this time I had a cell phone, okay? And he says, right. you have a cell phone? And I go, well, yeah. Why? He goes, I'm going to send you a picture. What had been my house was three piles of dirt. Wow. Jeez. The whole house. And this was a brick home. And I, I get the reports from people. By the way, I, I just about fell over. And luckily, if she hadn't been coming out for lunch with one of the workers, I probably would have hit the floor. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you all right? You don't look good. And I, 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 and I, go, I got to sit down. And, and I handed her her phone. And she goes, what the heck is this? And I go, that was my house. Well, and then, then, well explain next what you say they So who... They, they, they don't. They just came and who was it? The municipal police. They ordered some. And how, how did this happen? Did they give you a written warning or anything like nope, that? No, nope, no, none at all. Uh, I was out of town, so they did it. And they, then they wanted to charge me twenty nine thousand dollars for destroying my house. And they brought a backhoe. My neighbors, the good neighbors. Not I said some of them were good. They just were scared. Um, and like I said <sighs> most of them were really scared. But when they were seeing what was happening, because I mean they could see these guys banging on my door at night. And they're like, God, you got to get out of here. They're gonna kill you. Right. And then after I got raped, they were all like, Well, my wife can't help you. She can't talk to you no more. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That people get scared. That, that's that's yeah. the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. When well, the guy was honest with me, he told me he goes, I'm here because they sent me, and that my message I was told to tell you was next time they're gonna kill you. You know. Uh-huh. But he told me. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm looking at this picture and I mean, they told me my neighbors that they had come with a backhoe to get into that room. They demolished everything. They killed all those poor roses, which were heritage roses that didn't exist anywhere else. Seriously. They used to come from the Shaw's gardens, the botanical gardens to get cuttings. They just killed them all. They they got no respect for life anyway. And tore down the house. And then they used the, uh, what do you call one of those things with the big, gulpy thing where they come around i'd say in a backhoe but i guess that's not it but you know what i mean yeah you know what i mean one of those big scooper things yeah a very expensive scooper thing drove into my yard cracking the driveway destroying it because it was so heavy to dig out that file room wow but who but who's who's who has who sends this who owns the equipment that's my whole point i kept saying there has to be minutes and I tried a FOIA request and the other, what's the other one? There's another one besides FOIA for government information. And I said, yeah. I want the minutes of the meeting where this was decided to do this because this is tax money. And they have to, but they thought they have to notify you. I mean, that's just unbelievable to me that they can do this. And, and aren't there, I mean, there are, there are, there are, uh, Tax offices involved. There, uh, you're, you're, if you lived in a, uh, a subdivision, I mean, there's a lot of factors that I, well, I would think come into play. 
they were doing everything they could to bankrupt me because they literally tripled my assessment so that they kept making my yearly tax, what do you call it, property tax, higher and higher, which was ridiculous. I, w- I was paying like a, a, a property tax for like a million dollar house by the time they, they were done raising my, and I would have to go to court to argue about that. And they're like, but if you don't pay it, see, they can seize your house. So you got to, I was having to borrow money at this point to pay that. I was like, and that's why I decided, well, I got to give up. But, I gotta but, but I, this, but what's really the, the, you know, thuggish and unbelievable about this is that typically if they found a way to throw you out of your home, uh, but they destroyed the home, so they destroyed property. I mean, I, I don't. I, well, they, this is mind, mindless. I, see, I think they wanted they wanted to see if there were files in that basement that they wanted, and ironically, they're probably classified files. So they probably broke a lot of federal laws too, doing what they did. You know, because I was authorized to have things, and my security clearance, as they reminded me, was still in act was still active. So I was not in violation having that stuff, but they were in violation seizing it. They did not have the clearance I had, but they were looking for the files on the perverts that I had accumulated. That's what they wanted. They wanted. So, so even even at the level of municipal, this is this is why I, I want people to understand how deep this corruption goes. So this is the level of municipal police, which is I guess the lowest level of law enforcement, local law enforcement. They're concerned about you talking about, uh, you know, child sex trafficking or whatever? I don't think they care. I think these municipal ordinance police are used like the Gestapo used to be used. Because I've met right, other activists, right. both in St. Louis and elsewhere. They use that, that, that excuse because those people can use health codes and everything else to violate your third and fourth right amendment. They can come into your house. They can do unlawful search and seizures because they use health codes, and they can cr- they can claim they smell something. You're right. you're in violation of a building code. The house could fall down. We have to check it out. And see, they that's a loophole, and that's what I kept trying to convince all these constitutional attorneys. I said, if you if you're really a constitutional attorney, th- th- you should you should want to bite on this. This you you this should be you you should be jumping on this. This is for the Bill of Rights, you know, unlawful search and seizure. But find one of those in the state of Missouri. Find one of those in the St. Louis area. You know, and they're like, oh, my God, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to get involved in that. And uh, they make a lot of money. And then, like I found out, real estate attorneys, on the other hand, make a lot of money because they seize a lot of property. And so do the real estate people. And in most states in the United States, the number one. There's two places that donate more money to local politicians, and that's real estate and construction companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they both prosper. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Love it. Let's steal some more homes this week. When we can get another home, we can turn it around. We can make absolutely. You know, well, like we're, we're 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 coming up on the on on the seven o'clock break, so I, I want to so just if you, uh, take a break, we'll resume this on the other side of these commercials. We'll talk. Uh, in the second hour of war with Carolyn Rose Goya. We'll be right back after these words. In a time of fake news, fake politicians, and fake fiat currency, it's getting harder to find the genuine article. That's why when it comes to precious metals, I call the team I can trust. This is David Knight for my friends at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Proudly veteran-owned and operated, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange is your home for gold and silver coins, 
bullion, jewelry, and more. Prices and inventory are updated daily, so you get the most competitive possible pricing. And when it's time to sell your gold and silver items, they pay top dollar. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange also accepts and deals in Bitcoin. Call or text the owner, Tony Arterburn, today at 888-667-1836. That's 888-667-1836. Or just go to wisewolf.gold. From bullion to Bitcoin, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Hi, this is Cindy Sheehan. You're listening to The Donald Jeffrey Show. Revelation through conversation. Wall Street Gold. Silver. The stock market. Wall Street Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. Hi there, this is John Barber, and you're listening to the most informed man in America, my friend, fellow author, and raconteur, the great Donald Jeffries Show. The War State by Michael Swanson explains the great national transformation that took place and put the Kennedy presidency in the context of the times and reveals never-before-published information about the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy would not have been assassinated if he had been president 200 years ago. His assassination took place in the context of the Cold War and the rise of the national security state. Before World War II, the United States was a continental republic. In the decade that followed, it became an imperial superpower. Generals such as Curtis LeMay not only wanted to invade Cuba, but knew that there were short-range missiles on the island armed with nuclear warheads that they could not destroy because they were on mobile launchers. Their invasion could have led to a third world war, and they wanted to go to war anyway. The war by Michael Swanson reveals why and will show you what President Kennedy was up against. For more information, thewarstate.com. Go ahead, caller. Hey, I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim, Oswald girlfriend. He knew Ruby and Barry, cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination built into her claim? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, (laughs) a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at K-I-A-S-J-F-K at AOL.com. It's a fun book and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. Hi. This is Ron Paul. You're listening to The Donald Jeffries Show. You are listening to The Donald Jeffries Show. And welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Donald Jeffrey Show. We're talking with Carolyn Rose Guida, who has uh, one of the most incredible stories you're ever going to hear, especially since it's gotten really no publicity outside of uh, platforms like this. So we want to give her an opportunity to tell her story because I, I, I just find this uh, this is what you know why I write what I write and what I talk why I talk about this thing I talk about because the, the, it's, this is corruption way beyond anything you're seeing in Washington D.C. It's it's way beyond. Uh, you know, th- them setting us up for another false flag and another another absurd bankers war that's, you know, meaningless to to average citizens or a disparity of wealth or uh, infrastructure, all the stuff that we talk about that, that I talk about all the time. This is something where, you know, just average people. Carolyn was somebody who had a good job, uh, had her prospects were high, as an attractive young woman with a nice salary. Uh, you know, things were looking up for her. But she had a conscience, and she saw something that was happening that uh, she wasn't supposed to see. Uh, she saw these these kids being uh, used for sexual purposes by powerful people or local powerful people. And again, this I, I find many parallels, and I'm sure Carolyn knows about this, to the Franklin credit scandal. Because again, if you looked at what happened in that case, that again was like this was St. Louis. That was uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it was just one section of the country. And uh, these kids, uh, Alicia Owen, who I'm still trying to track down, she was thrown in prison for years because she had the audacity to say that the biggest newspaper publisher in town and the chief of police. And again, these are local officials. They're they're unknown outside of of Lincoln, Nebraska, that were, you know, having sex with kids and traffic them. And because of that, the world came down on her. Two or three of the other people were dead, including were killed, including one that was found, you know, in Hollywood style. He was found sitting out in a hospital emergency room with John DeCamp's book on the Franklin credit scandal in his hand. I mean, can you get more dramatic than that? And so uh, so this is what we're talking about here. So this is one woman going up against something like that in her local area. So, again, I, I didn't mean to rant like that. But so take it from where you were. So they, they demolish your home, which, again, I just find unfathomable. They can do something like that. So you have, I guess you you have nowhere you can go. I mean, you come home, your your house. Who do you complain to? What did you attempt to do to get restitution about your house? Well, I I I sent everything I could to every single agency that that's allowed, and and you know, and of course your insurance doesn't pay off because your 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 city has demolished your house and condemned it. They said, oh, we're condemning it. We we did it, and even though there was no paperwork trail, there was no. Any excuse or reasoning to do that, then the insurance company also doesn't pay you. So I lost everything. And that includes my dad's World War II pictures, which were absolutely, they were historic. I mean, they really were. He really was at Nuremberg. He really was one of the first Americans in several of those camps. And he took these pictures himself. And i that's the thing that I, I, I find so astounding. Sure, sure. Like I said, they killed these heritage roses that you cannot get anymore. They were used to come and get the cuttings. They killed animals. They don't care. They even destroy history. But look at that. They erase history now all the time. They don't care. And and I really right. do believe most of these no. people, they're, they're people that they admire are the Gestapo. So they would be on the wrong side anyway. Sure. You know? sure. They, they, would, they think this is great to be able to do this to people. And they hire people specifically that are sadomasochists that enjoy this. Because like the one guy that we had on, and like I said, I really want to find that tape, that, you know, we had him on the phone and we put it up on YouTube. The St. Louis County Police tried to get YouTube to take that down for years. They wouldn't do it, and then all of a sudden it disappeared. 
Um, and I had it on something else, but I've had, I, I you know, I, as you know, I've had people that have, they, you know, they've actually gotten other people to do things to me to get rid of evidence. And like I said, my public storage facilities without any warrants, without any reason, justification were seized. I lost, and it didn't even matter. They took everything. I lost everything in them. So, I mean, they didn't just wow. look at the files. You lose everything. So they were just banks up me. And so they did that. And, uh, it, it, you know, it was just incredible. And you mm-hmm. sit there and, you know, you shake your head. And this has been going on for quite a while. And I was going to say, you are nice enough to have me on. I wanted to thank you for that. And also, the last time we were on was on my birthday, which is the same day I share with our, our friend that I really respect and admire, John Barber. Absolutely, yeah. 24th. So that was pretty cool that first time we were on together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there have been some other shows, but even those shows, they, they get deleted. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, you get on a list and it's, it's, you know, they don't want this out. And, you know, the municipal ordinance thing, I, I think is actually as big a thing as the child sex thing, because yeah, people know about the child sex thing. They're just not doing anything about it because there really are people that try to benefit from whatever bizarre ritual they want to consider this. And, you know, that's been going on literally for hundreds of years. And I, I was able to trace some of the kids were you know, even shared with people in Milwaukee or Pennsylvania. So, I mean, this was this should have been a federal thing because it was crossing state lines. You can't take an underage person across the state line for sexual purposes. That's a federal crime. So, I mean, yeah, and it it makes a mockery of anybody. You know, again, it's it's, it's, any average citizen that even attempts. And I've brought up the, the, the comparison many times of how many 18 year old boys were sent to prison and convicted of statutory rape for having sex with their 16-year-old girlfriend. I mean, it's the most natural thing in the world. Right. But because, but and and certainly much more natural than this kind of stuff. But again, powerful forces are involved, and if they can, gosh, if they can, they can knock down your your house like that, and you can't. I, I, I this, I just feel for you because I, I, I mean, I kind of know that that's the way it is. But still, until it happens to you, and you probably knew it, and it probably just slapped you in the face like, wow, there's nowhere I can go. There's nowhere I can turn to, right? There, You had nowhere to go to complain about this. No, and like I said, I almost fell over on that sidewalk when I realized what that picture was. Because I, I was absolutely stunned that it was like, oh, my God, the house is gone. <laughs> and you're like, they can't do that. And, I mean, I would have been more understanding if it would have been the house just burned to cinders. But it was like they'd given up on trying to burn it, and they knew the fire was never getting into that file room. They couldn't do that. So they actually – somebody sat in a room and said, well, how are we getting into this room to get this? Because we don't know what she's got. What, we know, what has she got that we don't know about yet? You know. And so it's, they had to literally sit around, and they wound up trying to say it was going to cost me $29,000. To pay them for tearing my house down. Oh, geez. And I'm like, you're not kidding me. You know, are you, are you kidding? And, you know, and like, let's go to court. And, of course, then they wouldn't bring it up in court because they didn't want that in court either. But that was tax money, too. So why are yeah. people upset that they spent, that's, you know, if they, they said 29000 But, I mean, that, that, that was like a road crew type piece of equipment, this huge thing coming in there. Yeah, yeah. It can't be an easy a, price to deduct yeah. a house. I mean, that's. Well, so I mean, this is so this and, obviously so you, so you're basically left homeless. I mean, what, right. so after this happened, I know the spiral, and obviously that anybody that has their house destroyed, they get nothing for it. Right. That's going to send you down a, a, a bad path. So right. you had money in the bank, 
You had right. money in your uh, IRA and all that. So what happened all that? Did you just go through that living or well, did some, they take that too? I started to have to go through it because one, at first I didn't know where to go. I wound up paying for hotel rooms. You know, you're paying for a hotel. What do you do? Right, and, right. You know, you're trying to do that. And then I tried to rent a place. And then as soon as I would rent a place, if it was in St. Louis County, they would come there and uh, knock on the door in the middle of the night. So they heard complaints about something or this or that. And, uh, I always got out of it because all the managers knew that I was sitting there like a mouse. I wasn't causing any trouble. So they couldn't arrest me for any of that, but they were harassing me going, well, you're still, you're still in St. Louis County. We want you gone. You know, you're still here. You got to move. So then I went to St. Louis city and the St. Louis County police followed me there. And the St. Louis city police told the St. Louis County police to get lost and said, <laughs> you can't be here. Your, your jurisdiction stopped two, two miles ago. Right. And they go, well, we're keeping an eye on her, you know. And they, they use the Unpatriot Act again. We believe she might be involved with domestic terrorism. Oh, jeez. So they, they, now they can use that and just destroy your life because they don't have to do any. They do not have to supply a judge with any evidence if they can try to say you're a domestic terrorist. Incredible. You know, yeah, that's what Ron Paul and everybody was trying to stop us from having they have to deal yeah. with. And they right. didn't take that away. And like well, I said. Guys. Do you think there's anybody? Do you think there's any? Because I mean, I just, I mean, I, I think I would have just gone to another state or something. Or do you think that would have followed you there? Or did you try that? Well, okay. Uh, well, first of all, um, I tried a couple things because I did try hiring some civil rights attorneys, and they they told me don't leave the state because if you leave the state, then you, you know it, it's gone. You'll never, you'll, they'll never take the case. They'll just keep extending it out. You have to be in the state. So I did try to move to different locations within the state. And every time they would find me, they would make my life hell wherever I went. And uh, I, I even went, one of the last places was in Columbia, a, a gal who was a um, lawyer, older lady. She said, oh, I'm a civil rights attorney. I'll help you. I, well, us women got to stick together. Her own kids said she was on the phone with people that were telling her, yeah, just keep her busy and keep her occupied and don't file anything. It's like a Hollywood movie. Wow. Geez. Yeah, she was she was she was agreeing with them to do this to me. And then she even tried to slander me and, and tell people that, oh, I think she's dangerous. And, I, you know, I told her, I said, then we're going to go to court and I'm going to sue you for what you're doing. And her secretaries, she had three different secretaries. They were all on my side because they said, Carolyn, is not dangerous. And you're the one that you promised that you won't even file. You won't, won't even do a simple filing, to you know, because, see. There's another house that got lost. I wound up trying to move. And I found I had a, a cousin by marriage who was living in Jefferson City. And they tried to, you know, I, I, I took some of the money I had left. I was buying the house. I was repairing it. And this, this is tragic, too, because it was a house from 1857 or 1851. And the doctor who built it actually was well known, but apparently a lot of people didn't like him because he worked on not only union, but Confederate people in the same building and black soldiers. Okay. And the reason that becomes important, Billy samples, one of my buddies on uh, Facebook, uh, used to play for the Atlanta Braves and the, and the Yankees. Of course, like he says, before everybody got rich playing baseball, um, he's a super guy. He tried to help me because I found out that house was actually three officers, black officers, the one was not just supposed to survive, and he was. They they basically wrote him off. And if you stood upstairs in that second floor window and looked out at the morning, it was just a most beautiful view I've ever seen. You can see the the Missouri River. It's one of the tallest places in Jeff City. 
It's a beautiful old home. It had been a crack house and had been allowed to deteriorate. But I, I was just busting my butt. I had some Amish kids that were helping. We should talk about that, too. We, they were helping me. And I had five other people living there with me. But I, I had found out that this place was historic because that black soldier survived, that officer. And he and the other three started Lincoln University, which you can see from that window. Mm-hmm. It was the first black university in the United States. And, and th- this is an historic thing. That, yeah. ha- that building should still exist. Now, I understand that building doesn't exist anymore. Uh, they tore that one down. I wanted to get it an historic, what do you call them, citation put on the building. But in, in that area, they were like, we don't really care about something black. And we really don't care. And they said, it's too old. We don't really care. I mean, the Civil War's over, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, we don't understand. This was like a miracle that happened. And the guy looked out the window. He saw this hillside. He envisioned this university. And it was the first university to enroll black people. And I said, this is important history. It doesn't matter what color history. It's just history, you know. Right. And I'm it's like, I didn't have kids, but I cared about them. It's because I'm not black doesn't mean I'm not supposed to care about history right. that's all black people. Right. So anyway, they came and raided me there. I don't know if you knew all about that. They came yeah. with a 12-member SWAT team. Wow. They did not have a search warrant. They took me out in my underwear. There were other you, guys. Well, well, now, this is the St. Louis City police doing no, this? No, this that that guy was there from St. Louis, was among the people there. There were 12 guys in SWAT team and a battering ram. There were 12 guys in plain clothes. There was a helicopter. There was a fire truck. And there was a ambulance. And there was the press. <laughs> and they came there and tried to say that I was just a crazy cat lady hoarder. They ignored in the press that there were five men living there. Okay. Yeah. I had gotten them uh, off the street. One of the guy, one of them was an Amish worker. He was doing Rumspringer. And there's something about child molesting and Rumspringer we should talk about sometime. But uh, <laughs> also, I there were two of them were veterans that, you know, they were living off the in, on the river, which I was told I'm never supposed to bring that up because the state capital of Missouri does not have homeless. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is where the state capital. You're not supposed to talk about. So that. you're taking in homeless people. You're taking in cats, yeah. and uh, but they port- And again, I you know I talked a little bit about this, Carolina. You know they they use things to try to demonize people, and you, oh, yeah. you know you know the uh, the perception of cat ladies, crazy cat ladies in the there media. So so I think they obviously could use that against you, right. and so so th- this is what they. So but I mean, so you have the second house you're buying. So right. they they kicked you out of this. They took you out in your underwear. They they threw the other guys out. What uh, so well, what happened to that? Did they take that house from you? What happened there? Th- this is what gets even all of this and all these violations. There is no search warrant. I'm held for five days without a charge. While they're doing that, they're keeping me next to the cell where a guy gets beaten to death. I hear him get beaten to death, and he really did die. His name was Jackson. Uh, I'm kept in a room with a woman wow. that considered mentally ill. But before she left, I had her come and we were singing. But I had to do something with it. But anyway, and then they put me in a jail cell telling everybody I was an animal abuser, hoping the girls in there would beat me up. But it was when I got in there, it was um, cell block G and they all laughed. By the time I left, they, they named the cell block after my last name. They said, hey, we're going to call it Goida Block now. Because <laughs> I started talking. See, I started organizing. They don't like that. See, that's why they hate oh. me. Yeah. See, there they go again, right? I'm yeah. asking what happened to Jackson next door that got beat up and he died. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, she's got, just look at, she's doing this. She's got this, now she knows the guy died next door. Yeah. Um, so then we'll put her in the cell where she'll get beat up. Well, no, instead the girl's all there. And I walked in there just waiting. And I thought, oh God, I'm going to get beat up here. This is going to be great. And I'm like, okay, just be cool, you know. And next thing I know, the, the nicest black Eddie walks over and she goes, don't worry, babe. We know they're full of shit. They, they're just, they're setting you up. We ain't going to go for it. And mind you, in that jail cell block, the women, where we showered and went to the bathroom, the men's cell block could see us. So aren't they thoughtful? <laughs> wow. They had, the men, they had the men being able to keep an eye on us. Isn't that thoughtful? Yeah, so, boy. All, while I'm sitting there, I start collecting more information because they all start telling me about animals that they had killed. You know, well, yeah, they shot, they shot my chihuahua like that was a dangerous dog when they arrested me. And, and two people had their aquariums unplugged while they were being arrested. And they laughed. They said, yeah, by the time you come back, they'll all be floaters. So, I mean, <sighs> it shows you the yeah, bullshit. Just, this is what yeah, you, just the sadistic. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just laughing in your face. You can't do anything. We're going to kill your innocent animal. Didn't matter if it was dog case. The, I, the one guy, the two different, the, out of the five guys that were in my place, they chased him all the way. The one guy that was a veteran. They made him run away with no shoes on, just his blue jeans, no shirt, and just said, get out of here. And he was scared to death because he had PTSD. So mm-hmm. he was a wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy, they beat him up. He had a broken hand. He, they gave him, they put him on the bus and said, get out of town. You're from Illinois. Uh, he wound up having to have surgery on his hand. The other guy got so badly beaten, he needed surgery on his eye socket. But mind you, the press did not report. Yeah, I was going to say the press. The press is there, so they're they're not framing this as these poor people being abused by authorities. No, and nope, it never got on the news that there were other people living there. It was just me by myself, and mm-hmm. I, these cats were already therapy cats. I was working with autistic autistic kids, but see, that's also a bad thing because see, I was anti V before yeah. even stuff came up. So here right. I. Am. Talking to people going, no, it's all the vaccines that are causing these kids to get this stuff. So once again, you don't have kids. Why are you getting involved? So, right. you know, they, they, the one guy witnessed them throwing some cats and killing them against the wall. And this guy, he, he was traumatized. Him. He, 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 he well, you know, we, isn't that how serial killers start out, uh, you know, on animals? I mean, this, this is unbelievable. <laughs> well, but we see that. I'm sure you it probably strikes a familiar chord with you when you look at all the uh, I mean, when I've written about uh Police abuse, real police abuse, cops going wild stuff, which is, doesn't really have a racial aspect to it. One of the things you find over and over again is they do seem to enjoy shooting dogs. You'll yeah. see that they, they, they love shooting people's dogs, especially in front of kids. Well, yeah, and that's why I, I said well, I was in the cell block. I was collecting names and histories on everybody. Boy, they didn't like that at all. They said, you know, they even called me out of the cell block. They said, what are you doing? I said, well, you guys wanted these people to beat me up. But I said, instead, you hurt their animals, too. and and literally before i left i actually had one of those cell block lady guards shook my hand and two of the guys did but it was really funny too because they released me in my underwear and Mm -hmm. luckily one of the girls in the cell block got her bail bondsman who turns out to be an ex-federal marshal because there was a federal marshal coming to get me out because I had been held for five days without any charges. And even though they can do that with the Unpatriot Act, the girls had caused such stink calling all the bail bondsmen in Jeff City to get me out. Because they were afraid the guards would kill me. Because they said mm-hmm. they, they wanted us to do it, so they're going to find a way to do it. we got to get you out of here. Mm-hmm. So 
the one girl was so nice, and I don't want to give any of their names, but um, she had her bail bondsman, and I can give you his name eventually. He came, he brought me a pair of under a pair of pants, and he says, well, "Yeah, they were setting you up to as soon as you walked out, you were going to get arrested for indecent exposure." Yeah, boy, that's God, that's just that's hideous. So I was, yeah, they were going to haul me right back in. Yeah, yeah. And so then they told me I could not go to my house, or I would be trespassing the day of con- they'd condemn the house. So they oh. took that house. So they took that. So you got so you got nothing from that at all. I don't know what you paid for the house, but so whatever money you put in it, that's gone too. Well, yeah, and ironically, they locked that house up with animals inside. I, I I'm not going to tell you who, oh, but somebody, bro- somebody got up on the uh, first floor thing and broke in and got animals out of there. And I don't know who was, but somebody did it. Carolyn, have you have you tried with some of these? Have you did you ever try to contact PETA or any of the animal rights groups? Because you oh, know they're PETA, they're they're PETA, worthless too. Yeah, okay. Uh, PETA, PETA really is. PETA is not what they say. They just collect a lot of money. But I, you know, that's why. Well, this gal has seen it on the news. The gal from Columbia. She told me, "Oh, I'm a woman. I'll help you." And another woman attorney said she was going to help me, but she she wound up being a lawyer in Jeff City, and she wound up taking everything I told her and telling the cops everything I told her. Chuck, Chuck, uh, Chuck in the chat room says uh, they killed his uh, German Shepherd too. Boy, it's it's uh, it's oh, amazing. The cops yeah, it, did. It's unbelievable how many animals that I found out about. I mean, they they would strangle people's birds in front of them. I mean, people huh. love birds too. See, these are these are genuine. So you wonder why they do the things they do to people. That that's that's totally psychopathic behavior. I said that's the first sign supposedly they look for in a serial killer as a, as a young you know if you if you harm and abuse animals as a kid that that seems to be the first thing you do. So these people are they have serial killer traits. Well, they have said that they go out of their way to get people that will just follow orders and not snitch. And what they're told, and they want violent people because they want the police, not all police. I mean, there's good police, too, because I said I had cops shaking my hand and I had other ones, too. There there were there were other ones. I give you the names offline that uh, that tried to help me in St. Louis. But they were they were risking their jobs doing that. You know, so, I mean, they would they, right. they're, some of them are the ones who came forward and told me that, hey, I was there when they were digging up your thing. They were they were down there going for that thing in the basement. They wanted that file. Room. Well, that the, was- the system is so rotten. It's the same way your neighbors couldn't say anything. Everybody's scared to speak up. And uh, this is why it continues going on. And people like you who are courageous enough to speak up, you you're basically what you've suffered is decades long, uh, the same kind of fate that other whistleblowers do because you were basically a a whistleblower on kind of you know really bad corruption but in one local area or maybe through and and look what happened to you is it's the same kind of thing i don't know if you've read the franklin credit the franklin credit scandal by john DeCamp. i mean you you must have found many parallels there oh yeah i mean there's so many of them around the united states that it's unbelievable that kind of thing where the kids are kept alive like i said there, there is the other kind of pedophilia where just somebody is sick and probably been molested themselves, and they, they, you know, they snap, they grab a kid, they do something, and that's that's the event. That's it. That's a different kind of child molesting. This kind of stuff is ritualistic, and they, they yes, yes, believe it or not, they believe it. And whether yes, you want yes, a Luciferian yes. or satanic, whatever you want to call it, they believe they are garnering some kind of ritualistic power from this. Well, it's the that's, adrenoc- that's the adrenochrome, right? The adrenochrome, yeah. and the more right. terrified they are, so the smut- snuff films are the number right. one seed because if you, they think they're going to die, they're getting more adrenochrome than, than anything else. 
that's what they do with the youngest ones is they will ultimately kill them. But they some of them they keep along because they come, they become handy little slaves, you know, right. and that they become very docile and they'll do what they're told because they're just so abused mentally that they, even though they become men, they become boys older. They're, they're, they just can't. That's why it was so unusual for the one in St. Louis to come forward. And if people, you know, they can. This is all. This is true stuff. You can just, you know, the, the fact that this came, this kid came forward. And the only reason that came out is that one out of all of them, the one FBI guy announced it all. And they, I, I think they wanted to bury that too because, like I said, that one was at a, a fall place, it's a pizza place. And, yeah. you know, it was where all the cops. Imagine and the, that. <laughs> yeah, and that's where all the cops and the prosecutors used to have their Friday night meal. At this guy's place, so they knew who this guy was. Right. So that was not a surprise to them. They probably all had their own, and they, they may have had girls too. But I mean, I would imagine most of the girls either get abused and they wind up into some sort of bizarre wedding type arrangement where somebody just keeps them as long as they they, they stay young looking, and then they probably disappear too. But you know, that happens all over the place. You know, where women get you know shoved into this you know like like sure. streetwalker type thing. But the, the boys, they they really do enjoy the extra terror that they can cause because it's violence. You know, they're, they're, sure. there's violence going on and they get the boys to hurt each other, which is yeah. even, you know, mentally traumatic. You got to deal with that. How can how can you deal with that? You yeah. And, and, and again, this is when you talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, this is what, uh, you know, Jagger Hoover, all people once said, you know, you, you can't, one of the all-time great conspirators, but he was talking about the communist conspiracy. But he, what he said applies to everything is that the average citizen can't, well, cannot confront the extent of the evil that, you know, this here. And that's, that's what it is. The, the average person can't, first of all, they don't believe it because it hasn't happened to them. If it happens to you, just like it happened to those kids, they say, well, you don't have kids. Why do you care? I mean, people, it's amazing the way people are insensitive to, to problems unless they themselves experience it, then it becomes real. You know, they they don't care about people getting laid off until they get laid off or th- things like that. And uh, so I can understand how people wouldn't necessarily uh, be able to relate to what you're going through. And they, they could easily demonize you as a crazy cat lady. But so you lose the second house. Well, I so think what, ha- what happens after that? I mean, what's, so think about and- on tape, I got some of these guys after I got out to admit that they put trash in my house. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. The people that worked for the city, they were, and some of them were like, what do you call them? Prison. Um, you know how you got to do. Oh, road, road crews or yeah, 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 great, great, yeah, yeah, sure. They, they were more than they didn't care. They were willing to say, yeah, they made us put the garbage in your house. It was crazy. We never saw oh, it. And I was able to get, and I they should still have some of this, the tapes from that stupid news crew, because they kept rolling. And there's pictures of them stealing my computer, my files, <sighs> my servers, my file cabinets. The news is interested. News is interested in that. <laughs> I had a concrete lion out front. They even stole that. And we got them on tape doing that. Now, if they were coming there to count kitty cats, do you need a SWAT team? No, no. Do you need a battering ram, especially when I came out the door and I said, well, all we got to do is just go in through this door and you can come around and open that one. No, I want to use the battering ram. So then they used the battering ram. Yeah, they're like little kids. Oh, God. So, so. And and by the way, it had been made into a four family flat, you know, where they had sold it out before it became a bad crack house. And everybody in that neighborhood knew who I was. And they, they, they deliberately walked me down in my underwear to the police car. It was like supposed to be a joke. And, you know, uh. That just made everybody in the neighborhood like, holy moly. 
And, yeah. and I got one of the black ladies behind me who was a drug dealer. And her and I used to argue because she was mad because I had cleaned up that corner. Because I, when I first got there, the very first week, there were bullets come through my house. That's how bad the neighborhood was. So you would think you'd want somebody there that's cleaning it up. Right, right. I had a, I had a, I had a beautiful white German Shepherd, and I never got her back. And luckily, the canine officer saved her life that day because she would have come to my aid, and he actually jumped in front and grabbed the dog because he said, "The dog is fine. Don't shoot the dog." You know, he got right, right. But I don't know whatever happened to him, and it hurts me a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things that hurt me. But the, the I, I used to walk that neighborhood with that dog. And that's, but just like I said, I, there were people told me, they said, why did you move into that neighborhood? I said, well, I could get a deal on this house and it's beautiful. I said, I just, the minute I saw this house, I saw what it used to be. And I want to bring it back. I said, this is, this is, this is so cool. It's from 1851. It's, you know, I said, I got a feeling there's some history here. I just had a gut feeling, you know, and I really, that's why I, I breaks my heart that they didn't, that that history meant nothing. And, you know, it breaks my heart. The animals meant nothing. I mean, how can you, how can I can't justify that. And thank God, you know, I, I hope I'm not standing there when they get to decide that whether this person goes to heaven or hell. And I'm like, don't expect me to get Well, well, they, well, they didn't have any respect. They're not having any respect for human life. You know, obviously they don't, they don't respect animals. But so, so after you are thrown out of this house, the house is condemned. So you, right. whatever you sunk into that house is gone. Yep. So what, what, what is your name? And what, where is this in well, the timeline? I, About what year was that? And what, what do you try after that? Okay. I literally had nothing. Okay. I had the pair of black sweatpants that the, um, bail bondsman gave me. Uh, one of the local churches, uh, had seen it on TV because one, one television network caught me outside my house. And I said, you can't film me. I'm going to get your, they'll arrest me again for trespassing. But that's how I got Rex back. The one I just lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rex came running out of the woods. He's, he's tough guy. They didn't get him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I told the gal, I said, you film me. I'm going to put me back in justice. She said, well, get in the car. We'll talk to, we'll take you somewhere else and talk to you. And I said, okay, I I got to do something. Cause I thought if she's already got me on tape that I was there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we went and there was an entire, she filmed this and I told her what was going on in the house. So we had therapy cats and you can talk to these kids and these parents and these guys were living there. I'm worried about them. I've been in jail for five days. I don't know what's going on. They let me out in my underwear. And, uh, by that time, you know, oh, I said, say before I walked to the house, I didn't go there in my underwear. I, I also got a, a shirt from somebody. <laughs> you know? I got, right. a, I got a shirt from one of the neighbors and, uh, yeah. a church lady gave me some shoes. So I'm not standing there in my underwear. And so that exists, that, it, that interview still exists, but she had, she told me, she goes, cause she goes, we're going to follow up on this. And then she called me, she's still a friend of mine on Facebook. She told me, she goes, yeah, I was told I can't follow up. We can't. Wow. So I mean, now mind you, Jeff city right before I got there and I didn't know this, the guy that was the publicist for the Republican party and it's not Republican or Democrat, it's just corruption. You know, it doesn't really matter which party it is. It's right, whoever right. The power that has the power that has the corruption. Right. Uh, he was going to spill the beans and had an appointment with a, a, a reporter in St. Louis. And he was going to drive from Jeff City to two hours to St. Louis and tell them he supposedly committed suicide. Oh, wow. See, this is this is what I need to care. We got it. We got to work all this out because I want to put some of this stuff in Hidden History 3 that I'm working on. See, that that is uh, that's significant because, again, you you got a small body count involved here. I mean, this is what happens if people get killed. And uh, this is just people just consider 
what she's talking about. This is just uh, one woman who had a, a good job with McDonnell Douglas who saw one small aspect of the corruption that's everywhere and, you know, wondered about it and tried to expose it and said, you know, this is wrong. And look at what happened. This considered all this just so far, and there's more that happened. I want to, I want to keep keep up with where you, what happened next. But all this happened because you spoke out against some local, pretty much local big shots in St. Louis doing stuff with with young boys. I mean, this this is mind blowing, right? And I think they were also because everything falls down to money too. Is that I think they were equally afraid. Once I started collecting the information about the municipal ordinance police being like Gestapo and stealing properties, that also was like, wait a minute, okay, now it's hitting my pocketbook too. You know, so the, a few guys that may not have been perverts are like, oh, wait a minute, no, nah, <laughs> I don't want to lose this gravy train we got going here. So all of a sudden it's like, boy, you know, every we try to put her in jail to scare, her. we try to do this and. God, we raped her, we beat her up, we killed animals, we burned her house. And if, if people wonder why I'm still alive, I used mm-hmm. to wonder that. I actually had yeah. two different people approach me, and it was on it was phone calls that I didn't know. It was when I first got a cell phone. And I didn't know, and I at the time, I, was, I just answered the phone. And now I don't. If I don't recognize the phone number, I don't answer. But I did answer the phone. And it turned out one of them said, you know, I heard you on the radio. And you don't know, but you do know me, but you don't know that. And I'm like, what? You know, and, and that person told me the same story that somebody else later told me that there was one who was an admiral that had retired in the St. Louis. And I had worked with them on. I worked on a lot of Navy stuff when I worked at McDonnell Douglas. I worked on not only Tomahawk cruise missiles. I worked on TAMPS, which is theater air mission planning. Like I said, I used to do the mission planning. and I used to know the mission planning for the AV-8B and for the F-18 and stuff like that. And I mean, like I said, I, you know, that supposedly at one point there was a contract out on me and that the military guy said, no, this person has sued this country. You can do anything else you want to her, but you can't kill her. Hmm. Now, that's like, what? (laughs) That's not exactly cool either. You know, no, well, they they did everything else to you. But so, but I mean, I mean, you know, it's but so it. So after after you leave this house, you go through all this stuff, you go to jail, you're out of jail. So what do you, where do you go then? Where do you attempt well, to live next? I, I tried to live in different places while I was still getting lawyers. Like I said, I tried the lawyer in Columbia. I did get run off the road ultimately in a place off of Highway 105. And ironically, a woman in the exact same kind of car was run off the road within 20 minutes of mine. And we almost identical. And it's really weird yeah. because it, we don't believe that was an accident either, that it was like, they missed oh, mistaken oh, identity. Yeah, sure. And so then they still had to come after me because the person that ran me off the road, uh, I survived. Uh, I don't, I, I always wore my seatbelt. I was lucky. And I had a new cat with me. I just rescued for somewhere else. And it was in a carrier. Thank God. So the whole carrier got busted up at the kittens. Like, what the heck is going on here? And, um, I had a Subaru Forester and luckily those are actually pretty safe cars to roll over. And the car got total. I mean, it was just a mess, but, um, uh, I, I I don't believe that was an accident. But now whether was it that just another thing to try to scare me, or was that to finally try to you know cross the line and just say, well, let's just get rid of her, because I was constantly trying to you know I would go on the radios and talk about it. And when I got the guy on the to make a fool of himself, admitting on the phone that yeah, I threatened to burn your house down, and you know what we did, didn't we? I mean, that's the cop admitting it. 
And this then, is on the you got him do it on the on the radio. Yeah, th- that was what was up on YouTube for years. So lots of people re- heard it. Oh, the St. Louis County Police was livid over this. His name was Steve. Wow. He worked for Tim Hagen. He admitted it on the on the phone. And you know, I tried to get the police to do something. And what they tried to do was just get it taken off of YouTube. You know. Yeah, they, that's <laughs> what they would do. Yes, yeah, certainly, of course. <laughs> he, he never. They never prosecuted him. They they didn't do anything. So see, I, I would actually try to get attorneys to say, okay, we don't have to sue the city. That you, we can go after them civilly as individuals. They violate right. civil rights. Right. But I could not get, and that's why I felt so, I was so stupid and believed that one in uh, uh, her name was Carolyn Matthews. She lied to me that she was going to take my case. She never filed a thing. And like I said, her secretaries were all on my side saying that, hey, you promised her, and this woman did work for you even. And she wound up getting fired from her last case, which was an adoption case. So how she probably would have been so bad she'd have screwed it up anyway. But um, how do you screw up an adoption case? <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, and then, like I said, there was another lady lawyer. She was supposedly going to help me. She, but she turned out to be in Jeff City. And she later admitted to me that she goes, oh, I was just supposed to meet with you and take down notes of everything you were telling me you were going to do so I could keep them informed of what you were doing. And wow. she betrayed wow. another she betrayed another woman in her name was Barbara. We should actually try to reach her. She, she was a wealthy woman. Jefferson City was trying to steal a lot of property from that woman. Yeah. And this woman was her attorney. And she admitted to me that she had agreed with the judge all along that she was never really representing that lady. That she goes, well, she's an old lady. She's got all this money. What does she need that all for? Right. I mean, it's just like a ridiculous statement to make. It's in her money. That's why she had it. Nobody else. And it's her property. They shouldn't try to steal her property. But the property she had was centrally located and people wanted it. And she yeah. wouldn't sell it. So they, 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 tried to, they tried to put her in a nursing home so that she was incompetent. And luckily she was able to prove she was and that she was fine. But so that was Jefferson City, too, doing that to another woman. And, you know, and it's really funny, too, because while this was going on, the mayor of Jefferson City is a woman. Her, her daddy bought her the seat and she would literally go on the local TV and sing happy birthday to the local newsman. She thought <laughs> she was going to be a star. And yeah. you're like, oh, my God, this is like a bad B movie. But nobody yeah. so you wouldn't stay for the second half of the movie. You'd say, oh, this is so far fetched, you know. Well, and if anybody has any doubts, too, about our, our, our so-called media or free press, just look at this thing. Well, what I know for myself, you know, when I was fired four years ago for, you know, by uh, the, lar- the largest healthcare institution on the East Coast, when they fired me for uh, helping out a handicapped coworker, I couldn't get a single local newspaper or local station interested because Inova Healthcare is a huge advertising in this area. And it's the same way with you. So you, if you can't expose stories like that at that level or your story, which is really municipal corruption, it doesn't. It's not going to talk about 9-11 or JFK or anything like that. They won't even do that. I mean, they're, 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 we have a joke of a, of a press at every level. Well, you know, think about this. Just take a look at Jefferson City. They had to hold meetings because, okay, you got a fire truck there. you got an ambulance truck there. They had animal control there. They had a helicopter there. They had the press there. Okay, this took, just like in St. Louis, this took meetings. People had to get together. There had to be coordination. Okay, you get the ambulance, you do this and that. There has to be records of some of this because it cost money to do that stuff. So how did they justify it? Just like in St. Louis, if it really did cost $29,000, there has to be paperwork. 
And, you know, if we can get the paperwork, not only do you prove it, you can get, you know, civil damages for this. See, you couldn't right. sue that, mm-hmm. that company for doing it to you because companies have a little weird things. You know, cities don't. And cities generally will, what do you call it, um, work it out. They don't want to go to court. They'll just make you seal it so you can't talk about it. So, I mean, I still believe that there is a way to get some justice here. I really do. Well, I, I, am, I admire your pluck and your courage, that's for sure, because you've, you've, this has been going on for so long. So you tried to live in uh, other places. Oh, Were you able to rent I, apartments I, or anything like that? Because how, how, I know eventually you wound up in the barn. How, how, so how, how, did, where, how do we go from – what's the timeline there when you get kicked out of the second house, you go to jail and all that, and they're parading you around in your underwear, doing all this horrible stuff, killing animals – after that, uh, how, what happened in between then and when you end up? When I first knew you, you were living in a barn. I know. What, how, how did? Uh, what was the timeline there? Between how many years in between that? Oh God! See, I, I'm really bad on years and time. I'm not really bad on it. I'd have to actually think about it because um, I'm just estimating. Estimate, you know. I don't know. It, it, okay. It's been a couple of years because what I wound up doing was okay. When I was in Jeff City, I remember okay, there were a couple gals that owned a goat farm, and they were having problems with their animals, and so. They said, well, listen, you can come stay out here and help us with this goat problem, and and then you'll have a place to live. Well, it turns out, you know, these, these women were sort of, I'm, I'm trying to be polite. They were backwards, and their, their human sewer in their trailer was falling under the trailer, and mm-hmm. when it rained, it became into the goat field and the dogs and all the chickens. So oh, really gross. I, yeah, you can just imagine. Yeah, they, yeah. They're just not mentally well. And actually, the mayor and the policemen in that town were very nice to me because they said, oh, honey, they've brought other women out here and other men to try to help them. They're unhelpable because they said we've even taken their animals away. They just go get new animals because it's a county in Missouri that has very little laws. You can just do about anything you want. And it turns out both women had been prison guards. How do you like that in Jeff City? I didn't know Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. (laughs) They had been been guards in the very same prison I'd been held in. uh, But not while I was there. They They had retired before that. But that's probably how they knew about it, that I, that I might be able – and I was able to help all their animals, by the way. I was able to save all their animals. Um, and, you know, I, I wound up leaving there because it was just a pitiful place to be. So then I, right. I, I, I literally was talking to people, and I would try to find another safe place to go. And I went out uh, – then I went to Rolla, Missouri. So, so I've had this bizarre sojourn all over the state. And mm-hmm. I, I was probably wrong to believe – the lawyer in the beginning that I couldn't leave the state. But then after what happened in Jeff city, I didn't want to leave because I was trying to find the animals that had been, and I was able to get back most of the animals, but that's actually very unusual. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's, that's a whole private story. Cause I don't want to get people in trouble because a lot of times they take animals, they kill them all. And I created a huge internet stink when that was happening on Facebook. I had, I had people calling from Pakistan People from all over the place, uh, people on my Facebook page, I begged them to call and protect the animals. I said, I don't care what happens to me. Protect the animals. So mm-hmm. they, unfortunately, they, they did kill a few, and they did, they did literally lock up animals inside that house, which w- it was 105 degrees that day. So who was, who was endangering those animals? Me? Right. You know, I had air conditioning, and we had five adults in there, and there were there were never as more animals than you could legally have. We all we always had it below, and I had contacted the Animal Humane Society to get a license for the therapy cats, and they said, 
there's no such thing. We're not going to license that. That's stupid. <laughs> so, yes, there are. There's there's therapy dogs, there's therapy horses, there's therapy cats. Right. And I, there was a lady raising dogs down the street where there were dead puppies in the dumpster every week because she was raising them so wrong. But nobody, she didn't get any trouble. But then she was also sleeping with a guy in municipal ordinance. Um, and, uh, you know, th- that's what's so bizarre about this, too. You know, if you if you play the game, like I said, I was even offered a bribe in St. Louis. I, I kind of omitted saying that one, and I didn't take the bribe because they told me we tried everything with you. <laughs> you know, and that's when the guy, Tim Hagen blew that cigar smoke in my face and said, well, now it's too late. We're not gonna we're not gonna stop until you're broke and broken. Wow, it's amazing. And and what what was his title? Uh, he was in charge of the municipal ordinance place. His name was Tim Rehagen. Oh God, that's that's, got- that's just despicable. It's just amazing that these and this is what these. Well, you see it in the school board. You know the local school boards, the petty tyrants. You see it everywhere. If they have a little bit of power, they just. They wield it recklessly, and they obviously don't care about people. But so you, so you went. How many well, more adventures did you have? Did you did you have any more independent places you were going before? Well, you- yeah, I, I've actually gone to a couple of places, because, but I had to always be careful because wherever I went, if if it was most of the people have wanted to take advantage of my situation, you know, because when I was with the place with the lady lawyer, I worked real hard. Her her son is the one that beat me up so bad that I now had that disability in my back because he wanted to have sex and I didn't want to have sex with him. He was married. He had two kids. I said, I don't want anything to do with you, kid. Yeah, but yeah. he literally picked me up and threw me down on some rocks and cracked several of my vertebrae and I got sciatic nerve damage. And it's very unusual for any kind of disability to be declared immediately. And I, they made me 100% disabled within weeks because they said, oh, my God, you got like multiple bra- breaks in your spine. Why are you walking? You know? <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't have any insurance, and I got to find a place to live. You know, I'm sorry, I'm homeless. So that still that still affects you to this day. You mean? Oh yeah, yeah, because that was just last year when I got the broken back. Uh, oh, and okay. I I came where I'm at now, and I got to be a little careful because I I you know I I'm going to probably have to move from here because, you know, in a lot of the situations I went to, I went to a place called Armstrong. I went and helped that lady out because. I was going to, I, each place I said, I just need a place where I can sit down. I got to get my court case going. I'll work hard. She had a, a diner and I worked a diner, but her, her husband thought he could have favors. And mm-hmm. I said no to him. And luckily he actually would have, he would have gotten what he wanted if luckily his worker hadn't come in on us and pulled him off of me. Mm-hmm. But then he said, okay, now you got to move. You can't stay here. You're not going to cooperate with me. And then I found out she later, he later beat her up and she was in really bad shape. So he, yes. you know, you know, he's just another bully. That's why I, I love your book, Bullyocracy. I'm like, going, yeah, I keep fighting bullies. But see, <laughs> if these people find out you have any vulnerability or that you can't, they think you can't call the police. Right. But see, they don't understand. I will call the police. Because mm-hmm. when I was in Armstrong, I called the state troopers and they showed up and they told this guy, okay, she gets touched again. You're in deep. You know, we, we know what you did. And but the, the, like the, they, they told me, they said, but it's his house. You're going to have to leave. You know, we'll, you know, we'll make sure he gives you a week or two weeks or something. But you're ultimately you got to go. You know, that's all there is to it. He owns property. And so, you know, you wind up losing where you're living. And yeah. You got to move again. So for a while there, I wound up living in a park. And, <laughs> and then I had it's all been a very like I said, it's been an adventure. I've learned everywhere I've had. I mean, I've learned about. The old growth forest in Missouri that I didn't even know existed. I found Indian mounds that I didn't know existed in mid-Missouri. I have found all kinds of bizarre things. There was all kinds of petroglyphs on the side of the Missouri River. So, I mean, 
I've been, I, I got to read some of the French explorers that were with uh, Lewis and Clark. I got to I know the guy in Missouri that was the historian. He had their diaries that have never been translated to English because only people in France read. So apparently mm-hmm. Americans don't care. So they <laughs> read the books that were written by the guys that went with Lewis and Clark. They were mostly French trappers. So I got to read the books and they're amazing. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I got all this stuff. I got all these notes about all this stuff that we need. To, oh, I got to tell people about this. And then I, I said, man, there was an old growth forest. Who knows this about the prairie? There wasn't just prairie here in Missouri. There was an old growth forest with trees. I found them. I walked up on them. They're 50 feet wide, the stump. How tall is that tree? Yeah. 50 feet one way, just like the, you know, the sequoias out in California. But then I found out the whole history of that because I, everywhere I went, I tried to learn where I was. And I found out that they would fell all these trees, roll them down to the Missouri River, and then take them to Missouri and St. Charles, and they'd become, you know, houses in Boston or wherever else. St. Louis. And but they destroyed the Missouri River doing that because what they did is they turned the Missouri into one single deep channel when it had been an extremely wide, shallow river with tons of animals. I mean, I didn't know there were 10 types of deer here. There were five Indian tribes that all talked to each other. And, you know, one of them walk around in togas. They look like they were Romans. And did you know there were white Indian tribes? No. I, I am making this up there were white indian tribes they had blonde hair and red hair and these aren't the giants you read about these were they lived in houses not Hmm. but when they wanted to come through here and take the land away they paid the other indians to go kill them (laughs) you know it was all stuff you know it was theft they wanted it they just wanted them out of the way and that's some of the skeletons that the you know the smithsonian came through so see the whole time i've been doing this I mean, working with the autistic kids was something I've learned, too. And I mean, I used to have all these videos of what these cats could do because we started working with the PTS soldiers. That's what I was doing with that one guy that was there. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of – I mean, there's, there's so – wherever you're at, there's amazing stuff. And, and there's stuff to learn that's hidden. That you, you wrote about it, hidden history. Yeah, well, and you've, you, you've – You've got to you you you've maintained a good outlook and, and what you've gone through you you still seem more upbeat than people like me are it's amazing and it you know what we need to do have you thought about starting a GoFundMe or do you have PayPal well, that people can Go contribute GoFundMe is as crooked as can be I PayPal will get me the money and boy if anybody right now I do have to bury my best friend and if anybody wants to help with that I got to get a cremation because I'm not leaving him in the dirt here somewhere. Well tell tell people where where, where they can help you to send it to to PayPal. How what what's your PayPal? Well I'll put it on Facebook. I'll put it on your page too, but it's just you know it's just Carolyn Rose Goida at yahoo.com. Okay. And- you know, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But people, if you're out there, you have a heart. I mean, she's been through a lot, and she's, you know, she's, she's. Uh, the system is is stopping her really from doing anything, and so uh, you know, people have to live. So it's just, just awful, Caroline. So what? I actually like to let people know about how you know Dick Cheney knew all about flying planes before with no people in them. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> you know I gave him the briefing on it. So it's like there's, you know, and and I, you know, like I said, we, we had a lot more to do with Chernobyl. And so, I mean, I got to meet some extraordinary people and I got to and I got to read some extraordinary files and I want to share this information before I leave this earth. You know what I'm saying? And boy, if anybody else has got a place I could live for a year and get healthy, I'm not going to be a burden. I'll get healthy. And and 
you know, they're going to love these cats. They're the most loving things because therapy cats just want to make you happy. That's all. That's what they live for. They really do. Anybody, and, especially living in Missouri, and they, and they you, and so you can contact you can contact Carolyn at Carolyn Rose Goida at is it, is it Yahoo.com? Yeah, that's what the star, That's the thing on PayPal. Or the I'm, PayPal. That's PayPal, but that would be your email as well, right? Right. Yeah, I do use that one, but I also use Cat Goida. So a lot of people on Dark Journalists have known me. I I help moderate that show. So yeah. some people will say, oh, I remember you from some. And Cat Goida just happened to be the nickname that was on Google. And plus the kids would call me Cat because Carolyn sometimes was tough for the autistic kids to get out. Right. And Cat Goida at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you're on Facebook. They can reach yes. you. And actually, I would love them to help give you money. Because if you do do my story, we probably would need some money to do FOIAs and, and paperwork requests. And, right. you know, get proofs so if you do want to include my story, you know. People don't realize writing books isn't free. It takes money. It takes effort. (laughs) And so I I really want people to support you, too, because you've been doing a lot of work. And also, like I said, I wasn't kidding. I want you guys all to buy his books and put them in libraries. Take them to your church. Leave them in the pew. um, Leave them in some subways. Let people start knowing all this hidden history. You know, there's a lot out there. Well, I appreciate it. And hopefully we're going to have your story in Hidden History 3. Or, you know, this thing is getting so out of hand that I'm writing it. I'm already going to have I'm going to have to put it in, uh, make it into Hidden History 4, too, because it's too much. Divide it up to hit. So there's definitely going to be room for that. Or I've also thought about writing an entire book that probably won't sell. But if I do it that way, I think it's better to put it in Hidden History. It's going to be about the legal system and that I would include this stuff with that because there's so many cases of, you know, injustice and wrongly convicted and all that. And, uh, you know, that you, that you see over and over again, the, the legal system is solid. That's why you really, for someone like you to try to seek restitution to the legal system, you're going to, you're going to be at the, uh, at the disposal of whatever judge you get. And what's the, what's the likelihood of, of getting a, and I, you know, I hate to, to be a, uh, you know, a pessimist about it, but I, I really admire your spirit. You fought for so long and, uh, you 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 you're trying to uh, see you know correct something that you saw was wrong, trying to expose wrongdoing. But isn't that what all whistleblowers are doing? And you know the high profile ones like uh, Julian Assange and Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning, uh, they're still in hot water because of what they tried to do. So uh, we're just about out of time, about a minute. Is there anything else you want to say before we uh, close? Well, I just want to thank you again, and like I said, maybe John Barber, happy birthday to him if he listens to your show again tonight. Because uh, I know, you know, like I said, we both celebrate the same birthday, April 24th. We're both 20, 29 again. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, and, and like I said, please, guys, please support guys like Donald. And, you know, we need to get these this information out. And whenever you want, we got, like I said, I've been collecting all this information about other people's stories, too, this whole time. Yes. And, like I said, that's why they hated me. Because the more, the more they did to me, the more I, I started to, doc, you know, I documented everybody else's case, too. So, yeah, well, uh, well, that's that's fantastic. We'll talk more about it. And Carolyn Rose Goida, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling your story. And obviously, I think uh, the entire audience joins me in wishing you the best of luck because you, you deserve to have some good luck and have things turn around for you. And I, I sure hope things get better. Hey, thanks, Donald. And thanks, Chuck, too. Oh, thanks so much for having uh, for Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to The Donald Jeffrey Show.